Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get started, want to remind you all to subscribe, like, and follow at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social medias, including YouTube, where fully edited vodcasts are housed with exclusive clips. Remember, the more followers we get, the more we can give back to the goalkeeping community. Let's all keep paying that knowledge forward and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Palm Desert, California, still for at least another couple days. With me, you know him as the czar of the virtual background, the one and only Pro-GK Academy, Omar Zini. And uh, Omar, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm, uh, I'm just a little bit nicer than I usually do. I, I noticed. I noticed, yes. He told me you're going to give me a reason as to why, so I'm, I'm anxiously waiting. And the, re- the reason I'm just nicely is because, guys, our next guest right here is one of the most cosmopolitan cities in the world. And I figured I had to try to match the style of the city. We've got <laughs> Union Berlin goalkeeper coach Michael Sperning. Uh, Michael, man, I'm, I'm trying, man. I'm trying my best. Usually it's just a, a warm-up suit or a T-shirt or something. And I said, yeah, I figured I could uh, make it a little bit nicer for uh, you. What do you got? Berlinites? How, how, do you, how do you pronounce somebody who lives in Berlin? Berliner? Berliner, yeah. Berliner, That's right. okay, yeah. okay. That sounds a little bit better. Um, so I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying my best here, man. I, uh, I tried to do my hair, Omar. Did that work? Does it still look like I'm not going bad? Bald? Okay. No, no, not bad, not okay. bad. I mean, it gets better every time. So whatever you're using is working. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, I, I know we're not here to, uh, to talk about my hair and my jacket. Um, we are here to talk goalkeeping, guys. And uh, the reason we honestly had uh, Michael on here is a. Uh, very cool reasons. One is, is Michael uh, actually spent some time playing in the MLS, the major league soccer. I would even say Michael, that you were kind of one of the, uh, in kind of that MLS 2.0 before, before everyone around the world really started taking notice of the league. And they said, you know, after this Austrian guy came to Seattle Sounders, like we got to come to MLS. So I think that's, uh, that's what happened there. But, um, for some people out there who might not kind of be familiar with kind of your journey from MLS to Greece to Union Berlin, why don't you kind of explain, you know, how this all kind of came about? Well, uh, origin, I'm Austrian, uh, but I, I went with the age of 27 to, to Greece. Then I played there seven years or six years. And then I got the offer from Seattle Sounders to, to move to MLS. And I have to say, I have had two wonderful years there uh great success also and and, and it was uh such a life experience not just for myself also for for my family my my, my son is born in in uh, Issaquah close to Seattle so he's an uh, American citizen as well and uh unfortunately after two years uh we didn't come to an agreement for, about the contract and uh, I moved back to to Greece uh, but I still have many friends there. Uh, I'm, I'm close with the with the organization, and uh, I really stay updated with, with of course, uh, most of the time with Tommy Dutra, uh, my former goalkeeper coach, and is still goalkeeper coach in Seattle. Great guy. Uh, but I have many met many persons there where, where I really wanted to stay connected and and, and uh, had a great experience. And after that. Uh, I went back to Europe one year as a player uh, in Park 
uh, in a very traditional cup in, in Greece, very top cup uh, in Greece, and then also spent six uh, months on Crete, on the island of Crete. It was from the football perspective uh, useless, but uh, the life there, <laughs> I have to tell you guys, the life was great. So, yeah. That sounds it, awesome, it was, man. Wait, you got to literally awesome. just live on a Greek island, like in a paradise and play football? Yeah, like, was, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. But but uh, unfortunately, I have to move on. <laughs> Soccer was too important in my life to, to stay there and, and just relax. And uh, <laughs> then I ended up in, in, in Germany at Schalke uh, 04 uh, when they had good times, still good times. And uh, after two years, Schalke, then I moved Schalke has not won a game this year, right? Is that the situation with, with Schalke um, right now? Uh, not only this year, it's in now 30 games and they are chasing oh, wow. a record of Tasmania Berlin. Uh, oh. It's I think 60 year old the record or, or 50 years old record and next game when they play on Saturday against Hoffenheim if they don't win this game they equalize the score and there are still now uh, Tasmania fans uh, this uh, this club is now playing in I don't know in which division so a very low division and and uh, but they are are claiming the, the record for themselves and say hey it's not fair Schalke this record <laughs> belongs to us and no, it, it, it's of course now it sounds funny, but I have uh, still a lot of friends there and, and the, the situation is not not easy there, of course. not easy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, like one of the things is like Omar, I think uh, I think Newbull's just happy, you know, be sitting on a bench at Bayern Munich. Those are very comfortable benches that they have at, at Munich. So he's like, you know what? He's like, this this might be a better situation than what I was in at, uh, at yeah. Schalke over there. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Alex is one one of a close friend of mine because when when I played at Schalke, it was the time when when he was coming uh, to our club and the goalkeeper coach Simon Hensler said to to Ralph Fairman and myself, I have a young guy, I have to bring it in, and uh, then he, uh, he was coming first training and we were shooting some volleys and he. <laughs> He was catching the balls easily, and 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 Ralph and I self we, we we take a look at each other and said, "What the fuck is really really good keeper?" <laughs> and, and in the beginning, Alex uh, Nubel didn't didn't know how good he is, and uh, I'm very happy for for him how he he moved on in his career. Of course, now he's he has to wait for his chance, but uh, he's a very good guy and and a very very good goalkeeper as well. Oh, Mike, see, you go ahead, Omar. Mike, I have a question for you. I mean, how many goalkeepers are you guys seeing? You know, obviously being uh, a veteran later on in your career, how many goalkeepers are you guys seeing that come through the ranks and have this, you know, big hype or like low key hype that not many people know about that either make it or some of them that have the hype and never really, you know, prosper and make it through? It's it's a good question, of course, and, and and now the question for myself it's even more even more important because now as a goalkeeper coach it's up to me in the scout, scouting to, to see um, or also in our youth department to see uh, there is talent okay how and, and and to get an image of the keeper um, you look at him you see his pros you see his cons and you say okay. What is the possibility that, that he he will make it through? What is the the probability? And uh, that's that's an interesting task, of course. But it's also uh, yeah uh, not easy because there is sometimes so small circumstances who can change a, a career. If it's an injury, if it's 
even an injury of an opponent uh, or, or um, a comrade a keeper because he, he he will get the chance there to play and uh, of course the development you see or uh, also of the generation uh, of the players so every I would say three to five years, you see a change in in the game of, of uh, the goalkeeping. If it's like positioning, if it's like technical aspect or tactical aspect, and you see that the next generation is doing these uh, kind of stuff naturally, what have learned the generation before. So yeah. this, this is one one thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's really funny as we're kind of kind of getting into this topic right here, Michael, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, obviously, other than the fact that you've done some, you know, analysis for TV as well, too, is the fact that a lot of people say, oh, Michael Sperning, like when you watch his saves back when he played, they were not that exciting. And the reason is, is because your position hey, hey, is hey. so, hey, I'm just, I, I, hey, I, hey, not, hey. not my you words. can stop this conversation now. Right? No, <laughs> <laughs> not my words. Yeah. Not my words. They said because your positioning was so good. See, I'm continuing on. Yeah. Your positioning yeah. was yeah. so good and you read the game so well that your footwork allowed you to just basically make every save within your bubble rather than have to really explode and make these incredible top. You would not have made a great Instagram goalkeeper is what I'm trying to say. You, uh, Everyone would be like, wait a second. This guy is just, just making everything look easy. But in reality, you're just always in position. Um, that, that's a good thing and your analysis is totally right and I, I, I still would say I would make a good Instagram goalkeeper because in <laughs> my no, no, just kidding my my understanding of, of being a goalkeeper or being an excellent player is to make uh, to make tough or to solve tough tasks in the game easily to look uh, like that it's easy work and of course uh, as a goalkeeper and when we get back to the positioning it's a very 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 good topic because it all starts with the positioning and uh, for myself it was always important and, and we did a lot of work with Tommy Dutra in, in, in Seattle about this uh, that with a good positioning you, you, you level up your probability to, to save a ball and uh, it's all about efficiency and to be uh, efficient on the pitch. So uh, if you take it from the fan perspective or from the media perspective, of course, it's more better to say a hey, crazy saves. And the saves of the month at my time, uh, many times were original, started with a mistake for a keeper with bad positioning or he wasn't able to catch the ball clearly then the ball was bouncing away and then he was uh, jumping into the striker and made a double save and triple save and whatever so these were the saves of the month and uh, i think i won this category just twice uh, and but uh, but it was very very interesting for myself that that the, this came up this topic came up but it was also very uh, yeah, I was very thankful that the, the experts then recognized. Oh, uh, this is this is quality. He doesn't make the uh, the excellent saves for for Instagram. He 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 saves the uh, the ball in an efficient way and a cool way. So this was also the the target of of, of Tommy and myself to keep the goal against average very low. And this this target we 
Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, Omar, I mean, obviously that's one of the things with your Instagram channel, obviously. See how I'm able to segue that right into uh, <laughs> back into proper Instagram channels um, is that, you know, you'll post somebody like a Michael Sperning because your audience, they want to see that a real goalkeeping educated you know, a goalkeeper educator or a real, you know, goalkeeper who's trying to become a student of the game is looking to see not necessarily just the flashy, but they're looking to see that substance and especially prior to the play actually happening prior to that final action. Yeah, I think that's the that's the beauty of it. I mean, even watching someone like Ederson, for example, I did a breakdown of his where I watched a full game against Leeds early, early on in the season. And I was just fascinated by, I mean, the saves that he made in the in the in the game. But even the saves or the shots that went over the bar that were off target, he had the exact same movement. And it's just like the exact same situation, but the ball didn't end up on frame. So it didn't show up on YouTube. Uh, it didn't show up on Instagram, didn't show up on statistics. But I just, you know, I, I did a talk yesterday with Todd Hofford and we're talking about, you know, how to, how to video analyze and how to watch games. And one of the points was just don't get caught ball watching. When you're watching the game, it's really easy to watch the buildup play, but then at the, as you get better with it, watch the buildup play from the goalkeeper's perspective and then watch him as he gets across the goal prior to the shot. And if it goes over the bar, just still keep analyzing his footwork, his prep set, what he does on his movement. Does he slow his body down? Does he ever get set? All those things are super important. I think uh, with Michael, to, to, your, to your point as well, is those didn't show up in the statistics, or excuse me, didn't show up on Instagram, but they showed up in the statistics because at the end of the day, you're keeping clean sheets and your goals against average. That says something about you and it says something about the way you're able to command your defense to obviously, you know, problem solve for you and things that you're seeing because we're obviously in the back and we can, you know, uh, be essentially the quarterback back there and captain everybody. So I think that's to make the answer short. I think, yes, Mike, it's important to not just get caught ball watching, but watch the entire play through. And you can learn a lot about a goalkeeper and why they are successful. Oh, it's a very good uh, point what Omar was uh, telling as well. Uh, it's not just important the, the, the balls who are coming onto the uh, goalpost. It's also important what what was the goalkeeper doing that he forces sometimes maybe the striker to to, to shoot the, uh, the, uh, the ball not into the target uh, above the target or beside the target and if you come especially in into one one situations and you find the right positioning and the right time for pressure on the striker or the fall down i think you had this topic a couple of episodes earlier then and uh, the the striker has the pressure to shoot and he is not able to shoot it well uh, and the ball is going outside of the uh, of the goalpost. It's it's also for myself. I tell in the analysis to the keeper, it's like a safe for myself, definitely yeah. because he forced uh, the uh, the striker to to make an yeah shot off the goal. I love what you yeah. just said there, Michael, in regards to that because I think that's one of the real big problems in kind of getting back to this topic of goalkeeper analysis is young players when they look they break down film a lot of times they're focused on just the plays that went on frame and they're not looking at those other plays. So kind of in your mind, kind of what is the role of goalkeeper analysis, at least for you at Union Berlin? For, for myself as a coach, from the coaching perspective, of course, it's it's a very important tool to, to show the player or to work with the player because, uh, you know, the slogan pictures say more than words. I can explain it 1000 times that the positioning should be there, should be there. I can tra draw it. But in you see, if you see it on video and best in the action, uh, this can be a positive action or this can also be a, a negative uh, action. Uh, you, you can explain it way more and you, 
especially on the professional level, it's not about just explaining myself something to the player. It's about to to exchange opinions and um, to, to 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 find a commitment in situations to find some rules uh, and and also for myself to explain principles to the player. And for the player on the other side, of course, it's it's easy to understand what my words on the pitch. Uh, really mean uh, because also he gets a picture. Oh, this is my movement. This is my position. Oh, maybe sometimes he is not aware of it, uh, what he is doing in, in in the field. And so the first question is also myself when we watch together the the pictures to to ask uh, the goalkeeper his perspective and say, hey, what do you feel in this uh, situation? Because sometimes he makes a decision. And maybe the decision was right for him in that moment because he was had, had something in, in his mind what, what makes totally sense, what I don't know. And this uh, is, uh, of course, the, the, the tool of analysis helps a lot to, to bring the opinions together, to, to explain principles, uh, just to bring uh, our game of football forward. Omar, I want to say this in regards to, like, I love, Michael, what you said in regards to painting the picture. Because, Omar, I think one of the things that in regards to with your channel, and again, I'm going to, you know, start complimenting you. It, it'll happen maybe twice. That'll be it. <laughs> we'll just, we'll keep it twice. Um, is that a lot of times you have to paint the picture in order for the context of the breakdown in the post to make sense to the viewer, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the... As Michael said, it's a picture's worth a thousand words. So the way you explain it to them is one thing. But then a lot of kids, you have to understand a lot of the kids and even some coaches, maybe they don't watch the film the same way that I do. They don't watch the same film the way that you guys do. So I think, you know, as you become more exposed to coaches who uh, give you a more sophisticated approach to understanding what to look for. So, I mean, I've sat down with professional coaches and I've showed them my own training sessions and then they broke it down. I, I remember talking to Chris Sharp and I showed him a video where I was explaining to the kid that I was working with the footwork and then the goalkeeper did the exact same footwork. And he said, Omar, do you realize that because you displayed that type of footwork, it may not be for them, but because you displayed it a certain way and you probably weren't doing it the perfect way, they saw it and they modeled it after you. So now you're unbeknownst to you are showing the goalkeeper the wrong technique because you were doing a lazy footwork in the, in the explanation. And I said, I didn't even conceptualize that at all. Like I'm watching my own footage of my own session. And now I'm being told that I'm probably giving a goalkeeper a bad idea or a bad habit. And they're emulating what I'm doing or they're, they're doing exactly what let, I'm let, doing. So basically let's just keep you out of demos is what I'm trying to say. Just don't, <laughs> no, but don't I think do that's, that's, and that's the, that's the crazy part about it is again, when you're, that's why it's so nice to in the goalkeeping community, when you bring different coaches on and they explain things to you in ways and they expose your own, maybe downfalls as a coach or your own demos or whatever the case may be. And they explain it to you. Now I take that information. And then when I'm posting it on Instagram or YouTube, the video is one thing, but again, people get caught ball watching. They don't understand the tactical, uh, the tactical, tactical approach from the head coach. Why are they asking the goalkeeper to do this? And once you're able to learn all that and then maybe write it in text for people, now their minds can be exposed to the, the same things I was exposed to. And now they're watching video without ball watching. Now they're taking a lot of other things into account. I think that's super important. You know, Mike, Michael, I want to ask you this because, you know, one of the problems I've and I've done traditional media as well, too. And I think Omar has as well, too, as when we come on as <clears throat> why am I losing my voice um, when we come on as 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 uh, pundits, you know, and we have a goalkeeping background, 
it's a very much of an uphill battle. I don't know if you experienced the same thing too, because a lot of times is the analysis is always done at the final action, that final play. They don't allow you to break it down all the way from the beginning. And how do us as, as goalkeeper experts really help the media understand how to properly analyze a goalkeeper? Of course, it's it, it, it's it's tough uh, as a TV expert with a background of a, of a keeper to bring it close to the to the uh, to the people out there because uh, you have to keep in mind keep it as simple as possible uh, and, and 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 but bring worth or bring some important stuff into it. Don't uh, don't say just yeah he he, he kept the ball uh, very safe. You 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 can explain or as an expert or abundant you you should explain to the people out there why this was a good save or why this was a good uh, question. But but uh, break it down to 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 simple uh, to simple things. So one of the we had also a writer, a book writer here, and uh, we were sitting together uh, last year. And he was the, the whole year, the whole season. He was uh, com uh, coming with us, and he brought out now a, a book. Uh, it's not just in, in German, but hopefully it will be in English as well. I will talk to him, and it, it shows the inside how we work. And the, the one chapter of this book is about goalkeeping, and and. Uh, he was very, he, he, it was a very good feeling for myself when he came to me and he said, Michael, now after two hours talking with you and with basic information, I, I, I see the, the game differently. And this should be the target for abundance. For example, one, one, one big thing is to, 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 to bring the, the people closer that there are the three aspects of the goalkeeping, that uh, there is the, the goal defense. So this is everything what comes onto the post is uh, on, on the goal. If it's a, a shoot, if it's a header or whatever, then the solo defense, everything what the keeper is running off his line, catching crosses, uh, cleaning out of the box. Uh, or, or the third part, of course, is, is the offensive game. So, and with this in mind, with this simple explanation of these three parts, uh, is the first step is done that the people understand and see the next situation maybe different. And they say, oh, this pass, oh, this is offensive game. Oh, catching a cross, ah, he is good in catching cross. So, and it starts up with this, and then maybe you go more and more into detail. And of course, uh, you cannot explain the exact positioning to, to, to a TV um to 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 somebody who is watching the game uh, the first time or or a second time but you can bring it close step by step closer to the game or to the to the yeah. Yeah. Mike. yeah go ahead omar no, no i kind of want exactly what michael's saying there I, I have a very uh i think during the world cup and during like any major tournament in the last like three four years after i started doing all my breakdowns i have really good family friends and you know some of my best friends who don't know much about goalkeeping and then obviously, because I see them all the time, I always put pressure. I'm like, did you watch the latest video? What do you think of the editing? And sometimes, you know, I ask them questions. And then finally, I think it but was- But you asked uh, them about the editing? No, I, mean, like I always wanted to, I, no, I, I said, I, I asked them about branding because I have some friends who are in the fashion industry and like, you know, that stuff. So I always ask them from that perspective. So then the first few like months, they would always give me, yeah, I liked it. I like the edit. It looks great. And then as it went along, I started noticing that they were picking up on all the little things that I was like illustrating with my breakdowns. So I had some friends who, you know, I think uh, last year, my friend's a huge, huge, huge Liverpool fan. And I think Allison conceded a goal. And he told me he was like, oh, man, Allison went down so early. He gave the striker the easiest chance. He he uh, he, uh, he was called he defaulted to that that block save. He shouldn't have done that. He should have stayed on his feet. And then that would have, you know, pushed the pass to their side. So I was just like 
it, I was just fascinated because now I have people who don't know anything about goalkeeping. Wait, you see, so you like, taught goal- you taught them about goalkeeping basically just by them helping teach, you out. I, I didn't. Yes, well, I didn't want to teach them. It just happened naturally. <laughs> they started watching it and they started noticing all the little like details about certain goalkeepers. And I think that's also a big thing too is when you watch a goalkeeper throughout a full season, you can really, really start to see the trends. And then from there, once you see the trends in their technique is the goalkeeper coach that's working with them. Are they switching things up? So, I mean, I did a breakdown of Ederson uh, last year. If you notice the two goals against Lyon that he conceded, he was playing extremely high. He plays super keeper, but he got caught extremely high. And it gave, uh, in both the goals in that game, it gave the striker the opportunity to literally just, you know, pick pick his shot from, you know, 25 yards out. And he had that whole, you know, space in behind the goalkeeper open. So Ederson, I felt in this season, if you watch the game against Leeds, his starting position on like there's three one V ones in that game that he made, you know, superb saves on. He starts ex- a, a lot deeper now. So now it gives a striker a lot more time to have to think about it. And it gives him more time to problem solve because now he's allowing his defenders to recover. And so when you watch that now, I'm thinking, man, okay, thank God the goalkeeper coach or even Ederson saw this. And now people who probably are watching Ederson go, Oh, great save. That's amazing. But if you watch the trends and if you can actually accumulate video, over the years, you start to notice which goalkeepers are, are noticing what they're good at. And then maybe they're not allowing those strengths to come to the, uh, the forefront of their actual game. And then the goalkeepers who watch the film with their goalkeeper coach and then go, okay, this is where you keep getting exposed. Let's drop off a little bit and let's see if we can maybe do, be more effective with more depth. And you start seeing that. And I think that's where we come in as coaches or myself as a content creator, where I'm like, I watch these games 24 seven. I watch these goalkeepers every week. Why don't I put these things together? So now you can actually see a goalkeeper's uh, development and growth over time versus just that one or two saves on the weekend. You know, you know, it's funny, Omar, you know, if only the Bundesliga would be a little bit more comfortable, you know, with you using, using their footage, you know, you could showcase uh, <laughs> some, some, some Union Berlin stuff on, on, on your channel. But I, I do kind of want to bring it back there, there, Michael, because, uh, you know, obviously your guy's current, you know, uh, goalkeeper, you know, um, and I, I always forget how, how to pronounce it. Is it Luthe? Luthe? Luthe. Luthe. Okay. Um, so the thing about, thing about Luthe is that he's, I don't want to say a lot of times they'll say on, on TV, they'll say, oh, he's kind of a throwback goalkeeper. He's more of a traditional old school goalkeeper. But, I, but in reality, when I keep watching Luthe, what I see is somebody that, who has clean hands, good positioning, moves their feet, and doesn't spill the ball. So why, what, what's wrong with that? <laughs> nothing, nothing. I, yeah. I think there, 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 there is, there is a picture of Andreas uh, because he he went he spent now I think six years in Augsburg more or less uh, at the, on the bench, and the funny thing was uh, Augsburg every year almost every year the 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 bought the keeper and in the end Andy was coming in <laughs> in the end of the season and played the games, so but he had no one year in a row as a number one. So this was one point, of course, when 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 we decided to take him, that we have in mind. Okay, uh, you you don't have a uh, in the history. You, you didn't see if he can make it for through a year or not. And uh, the funny thing about w- what you said, it's it's there is a picture, of course, also in the media about him that he is uh, an old style keeper in the offensive game. But the reality is, he's very, very good and, and calm in the offensive game, the short passes. And we changed, or our game changed from many long balls last year to, to a nice build-up this year, or better mix this year, because also of him. And uh, 
of course he he has more not 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 the reach like like uh, our last year goalkeeper in the in the long balls in kicking long balls, but you have to do the best out of it what you have. And uh, Andy has a very uh, has very clean hands and uh, the positioning. Uh, take a look at it. Uh, it's funny because this was one thing we we really worked on within this year and and also. It was the day before yesterday. I got a call from a colleague in the Bundesliga, and he was telling me, or we spoke about um, how how the situation is and everything, blah blah blah. And he was telling me in the last games you see that that you work on the positioning. And I think Andy, he's he's with 33. He's not the explosive one. He's not the most athletic one. But what he can have is, is a good positioning, a good reading of the game. He's a tall keeper. And if his positioning is almost close to perfect, you, you can make, uh, you can have a good, very good statistic. He won't be the keeper uh, as well, who is on Instagram with nice reflexes or anything else. But of course, he, he also made one in, in uh, stoppage time against Bayern Munich. So he's also made a great save there. But he's, he's more the keeper working for the statistic and not for, let's say, for the newspapers. The, the, that's right. Yeah. I mean, and I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why you guys are in such a good position. Go ahead, Omar. No, no, I think, uh, I mean, I even looking at, uh, I mean, I, I looked up Andreas's his statistics on, uh, on Wikipedia here. And it says that, you know, in four years at Augsburg, you only played 29 games. And I think, again, when I kind of like look at those kind of players' careers, now I start to notice, for example, like Emiliano Martinez. You know, I mean, Martinez, I'm a huge Arsenal fan. So over the years, we got to see him, you know, and, and you know, be showcased in the FA Cup games or, you know, certain games that he, he was uh, featured in. But then now all of a sudden he has the opportunity to play because Leno goes down last year and he has, I mean, a spell of games, like nine games. I don't think we were, I think we lost one game. Then we won the FA Cup, beat Chelsea, and then we sell him to Aston Villa. So for me, it's just like how many, again, I asked you earlier, uh, Michael, about just how many goalkeepers do we know of who get their opportunity and then obviously don't seize it. And then the goalkeepers that who are in these systems for so long and either quit the game or they never get the opportunity and we never know what they can be. So I don't know. I feel like is this you feel like Andres is like one of those goalkeepers that just, you know, you have the utmost respect for him because he just weathered the storm and stuck it out even when he wasn't getting the minutes. This is exactly uh, yeah what, what what I totally agree and it's uh, because there was one question of you earlier also with uh, how objective or subjective you you, sh- you should make the analysis and Andreas if you look at him from an objective way then you have to say well he's a good keeper and he can do this. If you go with all the subjective from the, to also the pressure from outside, the media, the agent, other players who say, no, he can do this. No, he can do this. Uh, then, of course, you have really to be convinced and your analysis has to be good that you go through and, and make the decision. And uh, I think there are really a lot of possibilities. Uh, goalkeeper coaches, coaches, agents, uh, team managers, uh, and even myself, don't have a picture this can work and it could possibly work and this is mm. of course one fascinating thing and how to analyze also in the scouting if you don't see the player day by day and uh, have video scouting or uh, have to rely on statistics it's not easy to to get a good picture and and, and of course you you have to use as much uh, the combination uh, of data relevant data and facts 
and the picture you see and how this works this this would be the the most possible way or is the post, uh, most possible way to, to to find the correct solution or the best fit for the team and, yeah uh, i'm very glad it worked out with andreas uh but also it's not just andreas it's also the the whole team as well or the, the whole goalkeeper team as well because also uh for loris uh Carius now he it's not an easy uh situation but uh but of course he he, he has a different type of of gameplay and to bring this uh qualities into the game and think about how how this could work in our team is is another task and uh yeah even he, he was uh with the result we were unlucky in the in the german cup game um Lois made a good game but wasn't easy for him also he didn't play for 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 months now and uh yeah to do it's always work to to bring the, the personality of the keepers together into the best way for the well, I, I want to bring yeah. this up right now because we were just uh, we were just just talking about Luthe. I want to bring up this uh, this save that he had against Munich because I think it's a really good one to break down. It is a flashier save, so so we can say maybe Omar can use this on Instagram. We'll uh, we'll, Mike, we'll talk to you in Berlin. Go ahead. I just want to add something that Michael said. I think again, it's it's that uh, when you're a pundit as well too, and a pundit as well, and you kind of have been on the front line as a goalkeeper coach and you you know what's going on behind closed doors i feel like you have way more empathy and i think when you lead with your analysis i think you have to lead with that empathy of you know this goalkeeper just got his first chance in i don't know how many years now we need to we need to like instead of criticizing that one mistake or whatever the case may be we need to give him some the the, the breathing room to get comfortable and then once he gets comfortable the team gets comfortable with him and now the whole team is playing as a unit together Versus, I know it's so difficult sometimes because we want to, it's for the ratings or people love controversy, as you can see with like Roy Keane, whenever he gives his little spiels and those kind of things. But like when you hear it, when you hear them, they're looking for that controversy. And sometimes I feel like, yes, what I used to do is not controversy, but look for those big mistakes from De Gea, for example. And then I started realizing people would DM me and say, like, have a little bit more empathy for the guy, man. He's had a rough year. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I feel like I'm attacking too, too much. I'm on too much of the uh, offensive where really I was just a goalkeeper not too long ago and playing in these games. And luckily, I wasn't in the limelight. I didn't have my agent or people in the news or, you know, all that stuff. So there's a lot of empathy towards that. And I feel like if we can separate the goalkeeper, but more so from the actual action, but more so here's a learning moment and then break down the learning moment for the, goal, the goalkeepers or for the fans or whoever's watching the, uh, the breakdown, I think that is how, how more people should lead the way along, along, the, uh, along the way of analysis. But, but but I think that has a lot, and Michael, and you know, before we get to this clip or whatever, I think a lot of that has to do with how you approach the breakdown and how you paint the picture up front. If you have that empathy, you're going to come across it very differently than, let's say, a Roy Keane. You know, and I, I don't want to just throw Roy Keane under the bus because I'm terrified of Roy Keane. Uh, but but you you kind of get what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes that's where that's where it comes in as well. But like after a while, you just kind of go, OK, you know, you've made like I mean, for a while there, I was defending De Gea, defending him every single week. And then he, fa he started making a, literally a mistake every game. And then after those mistakes, I was just like, all right. At a certain <laughs> point, the empathy goes out the window and like the, the real statistics and the reality has to come to the forefront. And I think that is, you know, over time it happens. And the same thing happens with, I'm sure, it, in the locker room as well. The goalkeeper coach at a certain point has to go, OK to the head coach, look, 
I, I love this guy. He's having a poor run of form. We got to give somebody else a try or else the season's going to be lost for us. We got to give some, this other guy a try. And then when that new guy comes in, we also have to give them four or five, six games to get the, you know, get the, get the feet underneath them. And then once they have the feet underneath them, we can see what they're made of. And I think uh, too many coaches, in my opinion, even in, you know, football, we watch football all the time. My quarterbacks who come in at such a young age, they get cut off too soon because they don't show, you know, the winning, the winning mentality right off the bat when really maybe after that 10th game, they could have probably given you, you know, some better results. So Michael, I kind of want to break this down right here because I, I would love to hear your breakdown, your analysis. And that's why we chose a very positive moment. I don't want any, don't want to have a, to have him force you to put any sort of negative stigma on anything. So um, I feel you guys saw this game it was a couple of weeks ago against, uh, against Munich. This was late in the game. Obviously this was a huge result for you guys, Michael, first off. Uh, I mean, just a, a massive, massive, massive result. But uh, I think this is Coleman to Sané. Look at that save. Right across, boom, like that. Um, let's start from the. Uh, let's start from right here, uh, as this is playing. And uh, Michael, why don't you break down this this play for us? Okay. Now at the moment, uh, Andy, for myself, and I take this in the in the in the video explanation, he is too much to the far post uh, because it's a crossing situation. There is not a high possibility that that it will end up in a shoot especially in a shoot on the on the near post and if it's a crossing position he has more to be in the middle of the post and just keep more forwards backwards the movements if you know what i mean yeah so coming off the line getting back so if he would come closer into a cutback situation then he should push forward more to the first post but in this position he is a little bit uh, too much in the, in the near, uh, close to the near post. The position out uh, from the line, he could be maybe half a meter more uh, away from the line. But of course, he had to have in mind that it's a right-footed player now outside with an inswinger. So this should be okay. And uh, if you want to to say something about the situation now, he he should be more in the middle. But there is another thing with the with the analyzation as well, uh, or the analysis. Uh, it's always good to have as much uh, as much picture as possible. So because uh, we are now this year season have possibility to have the the behind the goal camera, and we had two free situations where this situation now from from Sky Sport uh, made a wrong picture about the actual possibility uh, position. So also this, sometimes it, it, you have to have this in mind that you don't blame him on the bad positioning if you don't see a correct camera position. You just brought up, but, just a, go ahead, Omar. No, no, I, again, we, we have uh, people who listen to the podcast. So what's, what's happening here, guys, is the ball's playing down the left side of the field. I think Bayern Munich, I forget who it was, Mike, but the ball went down the left side of the field, so the goalkeeper's right side, and the attacker cut back from the left foot to his right foot. And then now he's in swinging the ball in. And Michael was telling us that he thought Andreas was a little bit too close to his near post, which hopefully that paints a picture for you guys who are, who are listening. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I still, I still think, you know, obviously so, so he was here at the, on the near post right here as that ball's coming in, he still has that great recovery step to drop, to get in position. Yep. Um, and because because of the way that the ball's angled, he has to go negative on that. And I think that's something, Michael, that I think a lot of young goalkeeper coaches need to hear because they're always focused on the goalkeeper staying positive, staying forward. But in reality, if the ball's breaking away like that, he needs to go negative in order to be able to make this save, in order to keep this ball out, right? 
as you already uh, mentioned correctly, at the moment when the the, the, the swinger uh, made the cross and Andy is making in his mind the decision not to come, it's important to to be ready for a goal defense situation and to drop back to the line. With Andy, sometimes uh, I have to tell him that he's going too far back. So, <laughs> but in this situation, yeah. He, he, of course, he needs the time because he's ahead of from the six-yard box. So he needs the time to reaction. And uh, yeah, the movement fits. He's neutral in his positioning. And then just uh, was pushing pushing away with the, with the far leg and, and, and uh, bring the hand on it. And it, what you say, it's right. It's, it's, it's also... Many uh, many things of the of the technical aspect. You 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 have a picture, of course, in mind what is perfect. But you you have so many uh, situations, and the game is so complex that you almost never have the perfect situation. And uh, every keeper is also different, and you have to accept this. And now also, of of course, I I'm working with professionals now who have a different background. One is from Denmark. One is thirty three years old uh, German one was also a long time in England now and there are so many different techniques and at the highest level it's just so important to make these techniques they have to make it work and make small adjustments of course I have a picture in mind of the perfect technique but I won't bring anybody to this perfect technique and also I would say in the in the, in the youth academy for young goalkeepers I'm, I'm not a fan that you say you have to do is exactly this way. Of course, it makes sense that when, and, and we coach know why this special technique is, uh, is working. And most of the times it's correct. But there can be circumstances that a young keeper uh, makes something a little bit different and it makes him special and it works out for him. And I, I really say to, to my goalkeeper coach in the youth academy, if this technique of the goalkeeper in the later development uh, doesn't, um, doesn't cut him a little bit away from, from being a professional or, or slows him down in the development, then it's okay that he is doing something, uh, things maybe a little bit different. No, I think, um, again, again, people who are listening, when we were showing that clip, it was like, you know, down the left flank, cut it back, service, and then uh, Andres too close to his near post. And I think if you're watching that, again, we're talking about breaking down film. If I was a goalkeeper, I'm looking at it and going, okay, well, yes, he's too close to his near post, maybe, but why did he choose that? Was it in the buildup play? Did he realize that every single runner was coming down to the near post and that's where the imminent threat was and that's why he started there? And also, too, then you start thinking about, okay, when he scanned the field, he obviously saw no one coming to the far post. And maybe, maybe he's already pre you know, prepping his feet, which we saw. He's prepping his feet to recover back to his line if he doesn't come to that near post. So you start thinking about, you ask so many questions as like, okay, why is he successful mm -hmm. at this uh, at this motion? It, does he like, you know, obviously coming out for balls or is his footwork faster when he goes back? Is he comfortable with that high approach and then dropping off? Like uh, uh, Michael was saying that he maybe drops off a little bit too, uh, too deep sometimes. But some goalkeepers like to be involved in it and they drop off into that uh, into that line and then make the save like we see all the time. And I think even if you watch someone like uh, Elon Melier, who's at Leeds United, he does something very similar to this, but he never actually he cheats high and that ball gets served in and he never gets back to his line quick enough to set. So, again, when you start comparing and contrasting the goalkeepers as well, you start realizing Melier maybe maybe might have more success if he did maybe what Andreas did and dropped faster to his line and got back there in time to get his feet set and push. So. 
that's one thing too is when you watch these games and you're watching these highlights understand and ask those questions and be curious why 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 and then maybe you start trying those questions out on your own uh, on your own time and on the on the training pitch and you go oh wow okay i could see why he's successful with this i could see why they're doing this and then you start improving and adding things to your game so i think that's one added thing to do and to look for when you watch uh, film it's uh, by the way, Ilian is. I, I like him very much as a goalkeeper. Huge potential. Uh, and, but on the other side, now with coming back to the situation with Andy, and uh, analyzing in general, that's the reason uh, exactly what you said and what I explained earlier. That to understand also the goalkeeper's opinion about this, and most mm-hmm. of the time, the the natural feeling of fear is bringing the, the, the goalkeepers to this habit and to most of the time to, to bring uh, to break da- uh, down this fear and, and say, Andy, no, you won't get caught. And if you get caught 100, uh, from 100 shoots one time because your positioning is high, okay, I take the blame on myself. And, and to, to break down this fear, why is he doing this? To understand this is the most important for the coach and, and to convince the player that, yeah, your fear is correct because this can happen uh, but with this solution you you uh, totally uh, raise up the probability to 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 catch the cross and make a a better save and or in general to to be a better goalkeeper in the end you know yeah. by the way what, the the one thing i did want to say right there is like uh, if if i was if i was andy i would just be happy it didn't get on lewandowski because if it was a lewandowski i would have had a very different uh experience with that my face would have just been like well this is clearly going in the net there's really not much i can i can do about that thank god it went to sane uh wow did i just do shots fired at liria sane i should not do that to to be honest in in this situation you know what was uh, the first thing and that's about the human element in analyzing the first thing i was telling to andy when we saw the clip what do you think i was telling him uh Well, let's see here. Well, you obviously didn't tell him that you should he should have been a little higher to be able to, to to cut that off because then that would already put negative moments in his thought. You probably said great save, and uh, well done. You know me now because we're talking now one hour, and you know me a little bit. I also bring a little bit of toy and fun in there. And and the first thing I would say, I, I said, yeah, congratulate congratulations on the save. But Andy, I didn't know that you were still that quick. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to smile, and and that's the first thing, and uh, to, to to come together and say, oh, uh, and 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 it also shows that I am as a coach sometimes I'm I have to say, yeah, okay, I I was not thinking that you are really able to make the save, uh, great, great. So you proved me wrong. It's also a good thing, and and uh, I'm also a human being, yeah. and uh, of course that's also the the, uh, the first thing then and then you go with a, with a smile into the analyzation and uh, analysis and of course what what we are talking now and uh, because uh, about the in swinger and too close on on the free post this is a very very small uh, detail and we are in the positioning on on a high level where we say okay it's all about details and uh, that's the good thing for myself as a coach. Also, when when you saw you see your 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 goalkeeper next game is changing this or having this in mind, and then you can ask a question. And how did you feel? And he said, 
yeah, feeling good. I'm feeling good. And 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 this is uh, the, the the positive thing about my my work when, when I get this comment from the keeper because it's all about the keeper. We I'm just a tool, or we keeper coaches are the tool uh, for the keepers uh, to perform on the pitch. They have to perform, so we just can be the guys who help. Michael, I, I love I love the fact that you just brought up that human element about it because I think one of the things that Dan Abrahams, who's who's a sports psychologist that we've had on quite a few times on on the show, uh, one of the things that he always mentions is that when it comes to the world of analytics nowadays, is that they take out the human element, and they and because of that you dehumanize the player, the footballer, in the moment because you're looking at them as purely statistics. So. I think it what you're saying right there about bringing the humor in it and everything like that, you know, um, I think a lot of young goalkeeper coaches need to hear that because there's, there's so, I mean, Omar, it's not, it's not your fault. You know, it's just, you know, people like yourself who are bringing so much of statistics and analyzation and analysis and everything like that, that they start trying to emulate you, but they forget about the fact that they're, especially with youth dealing with kids, you know, and, and, and you're yeah. part of part of their journey. I would say the, the most important thing, is the connection to for the goalkeeper and this just can be the human element so so the basis is is the connection between the goalkeeper and myself so if this is not uh, there if this is not given then the analysis can be as good as uh, as 100 but the, it wouldn't come in the direct way maybe to the keeper and uh, don't get me wrong it's not about making uh, I just want to make it clear. It's not about making fun of the of the scenes and talk. Aha, good save, good for. Ah. And 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 uh, it, it's to bring on the human element, the, the connection that the keeper and myself we are ready also for for the analysis. And the analysis should be subjective and uh, without any emotion. This should be just about the thing. What happened? What was the situation in the game? Uh, how difficult was it, and uh, how how was the keeper reacting? Uh, or or let's let's say like this: the first thing, what happened in the game? What was the situation? The second thing is, uh, what was the keeper doing in the situation? And the third thing then you should end up uh, after the conversation with uh, how 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 can we improve and how, what have you, uh, could we have done better? Sorry for this was a little bit convinced, but uh, no, 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 no. But, but, now, but, but you got the point. What was the situation? Uh, what have the keeper done, and uh, what we can do better? These three points. Yeah, Michael, please keep interrupting Omar. He's here every week. You're not. <laughs> sorry, feel, sorry, feel sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, no it's okay. <laughs> feel free. I talk too much, anyways. No, I think uh, just I'm mean, a quick story. I think it and it helped me on a personal level. Oh about, God, here uh, comes a story. Okay, here we go. <laughs> no, it's comfortable, good. Mike. So. <laughs> so my sister actually lives in in thailand now and she does a lot of like you know spiritual work there and, and she went to a monastery and she was telling me that one of the exercises that they do is they want you to let's say look at you know certain habits or certain things that are going on in your life that may be weighing you down and through those habits and things that are weighing you down understand and trace it back as far as you can as to what created that thought or what created those habits in your mind and why did you continue to perform them every day? So I feel it, I started thinking about that as well. And, you know, it, my insecurities as a coach or certain things about why, you know, we talk about it, Mike, all the time, like, okay, I didn't play pro. So sometimes I feel like whenever I run my sessions, I have to do double the work or really try to, you know, break down and write things out um, 
really deliberately well, to, Omar, I have, to I have a question just real quick before you do that because sure. I, I, sure. I, this is in regards to the human element right here and i think my, this will michael find just fascinating honestly in your mind because you bring up a lot of times that you didn't play pro um do you feel that you didn't play pro because you told yourself you couldn't play pro or because you couldn't play pro uh, I think it was a lot of things. And again, I mean, on top of me not going pro, there's like habits that I like nutrition wise, there's a lot of stuff going, not going to the gym, not taking care of my body, not icing ice baths, a lot of things that I think led to me of realizing eh, this is probably not for me. But I mean, I, we, having conversations with you, and then obviously having those conversations with my sister and, and realizing that I needed to get to like the depths up to as to why I didn't have the confidence to do certain things or Maybe I didn't have the right things in place to uh, establish those day-to-day, -day, you know, habits to get myself better. So then I think when we talk about, you know, professional goalkeepers, and I think what uh, Michael was saying is that understanding why the goalkeeper does certain things and certain techniques. And we talk about, for example, maybe they start extremely high. So then you don't know this, but maybe when they were an academy player, they started, they used to start extremely deep. And then on three or four occasions, they got beat with those runners at the near post. So now we're not taking into account maybe the reason why they've been exposed in the past and why they're trying to hide that in the, uh, the present day. So I think it's extremely important too when you're a pundit or whatever it is to look at games in the past. And like I did with Ederson, I mean, luckily for me, it happened within a three month period, but sometimes those bad habits can happen when they were an academy player or their first two years in the league. And then they're trying to not get beat there ever again. And now they have applied a new technique that to, to us may not look good, or may not look, you know, the standard way, but because they've been able to master that because of an issue that happened in the past and something that they've had to kind of come to terms with, then we as a coach can kind of go, oh, okay, now I know specifically why you're applying this technique. And now as a coach, I can re-evaluate the way that I approach uh, how I coach you. And I think that's extremely important in how we evaluate and reevaluate our way of coaching players. And I think that's the best way to uh, be a player's coach and really get into the mind of the players. I love what you just said right there. And Michael, you know, in regards to Andy, you know, just, just using him as an example, specifically, maybe, you know, do you have these conversations and say, you know, if you have this tendency to always drop to line and retreat every time, what happened in his past as a, either a pro or a youth player that led to this trend in him? It's, it's a very, very interesting point uh, Omar brought up because it's not about the positioning now and, and the consciousness of the movement. It's more about now what I'm thinking, the unconsciousness of, of a movement. And uh, I have this situation really now. And uh, Omar, you get the homework from myself now. You can help me to be a better Bundesliga coach. Uh, Andy so. has a special movement. And uh, if you want to, if you have the time, analyze it, and and then we we talk about it. And and my my approach now is because it's a, a reaction move, and of course most of the times it's also tough to 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 train one one situations uh, or or with Andy it's not about the one one situation now because uh, he also showed me also with thirty three you can still learn learn things and that that's also a good part. But with one one situations, how many times you see? As example, the, the goalkeeper is have the instinct and, and, and turn away. And Andy also has a special movement. And in my mind, it's, it's coming up, okay, you can train this isolated. You get improvement. You train it maybe also a little bit more in a complex way. And then it comes up to the game, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, and it comes back to the bad movement as well again. 
And I'm looking now also because the, the, the part of neuroathletics is now coming up uh, very high in Germany. And, and I want to think or, or, or also learn in this way to be a better coach. How can you solve this maybe anxiousness in the brain? This, this how can you find the, the spot where the unconsciousness is in the mind to break up the, or break down this movement and re, yeah, restart the system. And this uh, would be an interesting discussion or, or, or also an interesting thing to work on. If you have any elements, your, your sister can help. Uh, <laughs> would, would be nice. And if you have time to analyze, then make it about Andy, please. And, and tell me what we'll is the, the, the special movement, the, yeah, well, the you know, PlayStation movement. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's funny you brought up the 1v1 because I actually have a clip of Andy in the one v one right now uh, that I will uh, I, I will share screen if the I the movement out I, to... I mean it's not in the one v one but one v one of course is the most tough task for the keepers to to stay brave and don't uh, turn but bring it the, on the keeper the, the, this a this a this a tough one uh, right here so let's kind of break this down right here. First off, this is against uh, Union Berlin against Dortmund um, just recently. Uh, you know, uh, pretty pretty solid game here. Um, anyway, so here's, I think it's the play. It's Makoko, I think, mm -hmm. to Sancho. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now it's a, it's, it's a recovery across all the way out. And here mm -hmm. is the stop in the shape. And as that ball is played, it's that drop of that shoulder right there which allows for the spill, but he does have that wonderful recovery movement angled across to cover for that gap um, as quickly as he can and be back in position right there. Um, Michael, th thoughts on how, how, to, how to break this break this down right here? You know, and what do you tell a goalkeeper after the situation here? Omar, you want to explain, uh, explain the, yeah. the situation? To yeah, Omar, sure. Omar, do you want to do your brilliant, your brilliant breakdown? Yeah, yeah reset, reset it from the top, Mike, so I can kind of get the full picture. Okay, so... Yeah. Okay, so it looks like, uh, again, coming down the left side, goalkeeper's right side, the ball slipped in, corner of the 18, and the striker is probably still like 17 yards out, uh, pretty far away from the actual goal, and he squares it all the way across to Jaden Sancho on the far post. So now, uh, as we see with uh, Andreas here, he has to you know score up to the shot, respect it, and then as that ball goes all the way across the goal, it's still probably between the PK and the 18. That's how deep it is. So he has to cover the ground all the way across goal, and he shuffles to go back real quick, back back. Okay. So there's one, there's one runner going directly in the middle of the goal, and then Jaden Sancho on the far post. So if you see his first movement, it's not an immediate cross step because he sees the first ball here. So he shuffles, so he's still square. And then once he realizes that ball is going to the far post, he shifts to a cross step. But as he's coming across the far post, guys, there's still quite a big distance. He goes as quickly as he can. That fast approach, slow arrival, sets his feet, and I mean that's what we always talk about is get your feet into a good position where now both feet are in the ground and you can still pick them back up and make a kick save or pick up the, you know, uh, right and left hand to make a save just outside your body. So I just love for me, the fast approach, slow arrival, he gets himself all the way across, but he doesn't run at the striker. He keeps his distance, which one allows him to get set, but also two reaction time. And it gets his defenders uh, recovery time as well without him having to sprint out and make an emergency save. So it was a big time save. He gets set and makes a kick save here. So for me, it was just, I mean, perfect example of how you how you're supposed to textbook for me play goalkeeper and how I teach it 
I also like the fact that, that, that he, he recognized as he went down for that ball that the ball lifted so he had time to go and cover that gap rather than have to try to get a, up, up, up for an immediate second ball save. So because of that bounce, now he's got time to set, and now he's in a, in a, in a great position right here uh, as the play. But I think uh, just well, plays. So, Michael, one thing I was going to add real quick, I think with 1v1s, I think a lot of times um, we – a lot of players specifically, they, they watch these 1v1 situations and they always think about, okay, well, it's, it's me and the striker. Now I have to make a play. And I think if you look at this position, with, with uh, I keep saying Andreas, but you call him Andy. I'll just say Andreas, that's his name on, on Wikipedia. So I'll just say that. Uh, but I feel like he did a really good job. And, and I think young goalkeepers can take a, a note of this is let your defenders do their job. Let them recover. So that it gives the, the forward something to think about. Give them gives them an added layer of, of pressure, not only to beat you and find the angle and find a, a, a way to slot it past you, but now they have to think about, okay, my first touch has to be super clean because I have someone coming behind me. And then them thinking about that first touch, now their thought process about how they beat you is delayed. And now it gives you an extra time, uh, that extra second or two to really problem solve. And now you're playing chess versus playing checkers, I feel. Well, well you know, one, one thing I want to say, you know, uh, Michael, is, is that, one of the things that you you and Omar have done a really good job of is explain the why, the why things are happening, the why a goalkeeper is doing this, the why a striker is doing this, why a wide player is doing this. You know, how important is that when you're spe especially speaking with a youth goalkeeper to really break down the why so they understand that it's not just instructions, but it's the thinking aspect of it. And you really need to recognize why things are happening. If, he, if I come back to this situation, it explains so much about principles. And uh, along in, in this situation, the first thing is when the striker on the on the edge of the box and he's a little bit um, too, too far off the post again, then it makes, of course, with the cutback pass, he has to make one step more. Uh, and then he is a, it's a tricky situation. The striker gets the ball in, uh, not in the middle, but the, the, uh, the second striker in the back post gets the ball. And it's a tough situation because he has to make the decision. Do I, uh, I can, is, is, is one of my defenders able to, to, to help me? What is the distance? Can I make the, close the distance to come into a one versus one block? Or have, uh, I have to stay deep to, to, to make the save with, with a diving save. And uh, it's a tricky situation and he makes the best out of it. And, and the why also, especially why the ball is coming from Andy's foot up so high and not so far, is a technical part. Because Andy's uh, toes are many times too low in the 1-1 one -one situation. And then he gets the touch and the ball goes up high instead of maybe a little lower or lower and, and far away. So, so in, in this situation, in this video clip, there are so many principles and so many uh, pictures you can show to the keeper why something happens. And it's not about one save or one goal. No, no, no. It's just to bring all small, uh, all small uh, parts of a puzzle together to, 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 to raise up the probability that you make a save. Michael, I have a question for you. I think uh, I think for me too, and, and there are certain times throughout a season, obviously, that you're you're trying to make sure the goalkeeper's confidence stays at a certain level and, and they're playing at elite level, obviously for everyone to keep their jobs and for you guys to get points. But I think have you ever have you ever had a situation where you may have seen a a technique that they didn't pay for, like they made a mis they made a mistake or the technique that you noticed that 
maybe didn't cost you guys that game, but that you kind of noticed throughout training sessions and throughout other games that maybe that's something that in the future could potentially be a problem. Have you ever kind of just like bit your tongue and then let it happen again and then showed them like, look, I didn't say it last time, but this is something that we can potentially affect and really work on. Or is that something that you immediately get like as many clips as you can from training sessions? And then you show them like, Hey, look, this is something that you're doing. It hasn't cost us yet. Let's, I want you to understand what is happening here so that we can make sure that this never happens to us again, or we don't get exposed in the future. Definitely, this could happen every day, and the special move of Andy is something like this. He didn't oh, get punished for it, it. <laughs> uh, and he didn't uh, get punished or just one time half punished for it. But uh, yeah, of, of course, there are everyday details, and of course, it's easier to to talk to a keeper if it happens in the game. So I was very happy also that uh, that Loris Carrios now had his game in the, in the in in the German Cup because then we had so much videos beside the the, the daily training. Daily training training you should of of course replicate what, uh, the, the the situation like in the game but of course it's not the same way. Strikers make more a chip or something like this also. Also the goalkeeper behavior sometimes is uh, different but the game is the game and there you have 100% the truth what what is going on how is your performance what we can do better and uh, this 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 is the best part uh, to have game situations to watch the videos and then the goalkeeper also see the importance. Sometimes if you tell him at the training scout, he doesn't see the importance. Yeah. Sometimes you show him training videos, he maybe say, okay, but doesn't see the importance. But on the weekend, when he gets punished for it, next day he, he reads it in newspapers and maybe the specialists don't know if it was correct or not anyway. But then he say, nah, it was important, was Michael said. So, mm -hmm. But hope, hopefully, most of the times we we can we can fix it before something happens. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think it's even even honestly more difficult with the, at the youth level as well too, because a lot of times a go young goalkeeper will be able to keep getting away with something over and over and over again until they get to a certain level. And maybe you get a kid from the youth academy, and now you you throw him into with the reserves, or you throw him in, or reserve kid, and you throw him in with the first team. And the speed of play is so much higher. The players are so much more skilled. They're much 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 more smarter. And now he's getting beat, and now it's finally dawning on him. Oh, if only I had spent the last four years, now I wouldn't be in this position. The the first the first thing, especially of course for for youth goalkeepers, is way more difficult of course the first thing when when i when we make technical exercise it's it's for myself that the goalkeeper should be conscious about the movement he shouldn't judge the movement in the first place he shouldn't oh i'm kicking bad ah, i'm kicking yeah that's the result anyway but what's going on in your mind or what's what do you feel throughout the, the the exercise of course it's tough to to say oh I felt very, very uh, explosive in that push or uh, in, in goal defense uh, situation. It's very tough, of course. But you, in, in kicking the ball, in, in making a goal keep, you can feel, ah, okay, what's going on in my body? And not to judge it. And then you can, you can also find a solution. Okay, maybe we adjust this a little bit, this a little bit, this a little bit. And then how does it feel again? And what is the result? And most of the times then the result will be, whoa. And that's a that's a great thing for the coach then. Dude, I absolutely love that. And Omar, I, I know that's something that with with youth goalkeepers, you know, 
you've had an issue with in regards to them second guessing themselves because they're judging their movements and having negative thoughts already before before you're even done with the session. Yeah, and I think again, it's it's so tough because I mean, there's so many different like psychological things that kids are dealing with, and and you don't know you know what pressure they have from their parents. You don't know what pressure they have from you know being hyped up or being seen. Like I remember. Like my preseason, I mean, the year before I was uh, in my high school season, we were I, we had like the first seven games were all shutouts. So I remember going into my junior season going, okay, I have to live up to that. I have to be better than the guy I was last year. And then, you know, first game we conceded three. And I, I kept thinking, why why did I care so much about that? So I think a lot of kids, as much as we want them to not overthink, I think it's important for them to overthink so that they realize that overthinking is not all it's meant out to be. It's only going to hurt you. So I think it's 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 a it's that nature versus nurture that balancing act of how much do we actually uh, not force feed but how much do we expose them and then let them learn and how much do we expose them to things and then we teach them. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that that that, that makes sort of sort of sense to me. How many times how many times do they have bad sessions and then we put we put our arm around them versus they have a bad session or they have bad technique and we just let them, hey, here's the footage, you go figure it out. You tell me what you see versus like how you always tell me, Mike, is like these kids need to learn how to break things down on their own versus you always trying to break it down for them. So now they don't really have any other voice but my voice instead of having their own voice to really filter and supplement that see see now now that makes a lot more sense thank okay, you for okay. clarifying. <laughs> yeah. go ahead mike go so ahead michael funny story to this because um from every half season or maybe all three months i make a, a conversation with the with the goalkeepers first i make a rating of the goalkeepers in special aspects uh and the, i give the paper to the goalkeepers they have to do it as well uh, they have to rate them they have to say okay this is good about myself uh, and this i want to improve and i i really realized that that if a goalkeeper is working as long as he's working with myself and and even now with, with India, after a couple of months, because we had a lot of discussions and we had a lot of, of course, discussions in the preseason. And he was coming back with the paper and also the youth, uh, the, our third keeper, a young keeper, uh, I'm working for four years now, was coming to me. And we looked at the pa uh, paper and all the first three aspects of the goal defense and uh, the offensive game were the same in different words but the same aspects and this is what what i say okay two possibilities about this one uh the goalkeeper sees it really like it is or second one i'm i'm going to his nerve every day with the same principles and now he believes it so but but in any kind it, it was very interesting to myself that the goalkeeper analyzed himself uh, almost the same way i would rate him and, and and I see it as a good uh, thing that the connection is giving, and that's the mm -hmm. as, as Omar said that the, the the last target that I'm I wouldn't say useless, but the goalkeeper himself can coach himself in the in the in in, in, in every aspect of the game. If there is the the shooting exercise and he gets he concedes the goal, how, many times the goalkeeper uh, turns to myself and say, "Yeah, my position is," and I just have to say, 
yeah, I see it the same way. And and yeah. and this is the the good thing because I'm not. Of course, it, it's a small group, and uh, I want to be individual as uh, as as far as possible with everyone. But I can't control him. I can't watch him at the same time. It's not possible. And if he knows what is necessary to have a good game, of course, it it makes himself in first line better. And otherwise, uh, and, and and the second part is it also supports my work to to support him. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. you know, Michael, I think there's a really good point you brought up right there in regards to with them giving the same type of report back is because I, I know with youth goalkeepers myself, one of the things I want to make sure is that they're being honest. And and like you were saying, there's either a couple things. One is either I'm just going to give them back what he wants to hear because he keeps telling it to me over and over again. Or two is that they truly, really believe that. And I, one thing I've tried to do with IDPs with, with, with young goalkeepers is tell them, don't think about me and what I say to you pretend as if I I'm, I haven't been coaching you. Tell me what you really think about yourself, you know, and with no judgment. And I think that's the hardest thing because, you know, young goalkeepers want to impress you, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they want you to, they, they don't want you to think that they're, they're worse, you, you know, all they, they, their own insecurities and everything like that, you know? So how do we, how do we make sure that they're being honest with themselves? In, you, the, of course, it's a, that's, that's totally true. And sometimes even the player doesn't recognize that he wants to do it for, for myself. So, uh, and as older the, the players are, they are more honest to themselves, I believe, and, and you can tell more the truth. But the, the thing is also in coaching, to give him advices, to improve them, to, to, to make clear, hey, this is not good, what you do in this case. But always to give him also the feeling, I don't judge you as a person for this. And if this is given, I think, and, and this is also my experience that they, of course, from type to type different, but most of the keepers came up with a way more harder judgment than I would do. If you give him the trust to be honest and, and say, hey, I make mistakes, you make mistakes. It's not about this. It's only what happened, what have you done, what can you do better? Something like this with, without, of course, as, as good as possible without emotions and without, uh, w- without yeah, uh, being, yeah, emotional. But, but bringing in emotions is a good thing with positive things. Not too much, not always. Yeah, very good job, very good job, very good job. And I, I know myself also on the pitch that maybe sometimes I'm too much with these emotions. And yeah, good, 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 good. And then I reflect, no, this was not good. What, what I'm saying, this was not good. Shut up! It's yeah. okay, <laughs> and, and 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 not to be too positive, but emotions. If it's positive, let it out, and if it's negative criticism, let it in, more or less. I think that's, I think that's that's a good point. Omar, were you about yeah. to say something? No, no. I think everything. It just honestly gives me peace of mind knowing that goalkeeper coaches at your level go through the same exact things that goalkeeper coaches that, that here in California myself go through. So it's definitely it gives me. It does give me peace of mind knowing that as much as we're trying to help process and help, you know, uh, push forward our goalkeepers that us as well, we're going through constant development on a day-to-day basis. And we have to almost revisit those conversations in our own head and, and kind of, like I said earlier, revisit and, and 
allow ourselves to talk ourselves through it. And then the next day, which I love, that's why I love coaching is that the next day comes and you can apply those exact uh, lessons and teachings to yourself on the next, uh, the next session. So yeah, this, that's all I wanted to say. You know, and, my, it's, and Michael, it's, it's, go ahead. it's all about this. It's, it's all about this because, and, and, oh my, I have this also every day. So many thoughts popping out in my, uh, popping up in my mind to, I can do improve this and I can do improve this and it's a constant improvement of everything of of everything it's a constant improvement yeah. and I really like you see I really like also the conversation about this and this is why I'm loving this as my job and, and normally I, I wouldn't say it's a job it's it's really my passion to to be a coach and I would say I'm very happy with my career uh, I played in in, in 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 great countries I made also three caps for the Austrian national team but mm. I'm, I'm, I'm a better coach as a player as well. It's more inside myself to, to be a coach than, than a player. And, and uh, I'd like the exchange with you to, to meet you guys. And uh, because you're fascinated as well about the sport. And, and that yeah. if you have this constant movement, sometimes it makes you crazy in the mind. But on the other <laughs> hand, it's, it, it's our life. And then do, uh, we can create good stuff with it. Well, I mean, look, Michael, I mean, you know, and I know we've been going for a while here and it's starting, starting to get late there. And, you know, you guys have, you guys have a game Friday. Is it Friday or Saturday? You guys play Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Wolfsburg against oh, my friend, Pascal. Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> I know I saw that and I was like, I don't know. Who, I, I don't know who to root for. I don't know who to root for in, 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 in oh, that game. Uh, Omar has his, uh, has his club already. I see. <laughs> I do, so, yeah. I've already chosen. <laughs> Thank oh, you, Omar. Oh, well, oh, of course, boy. of course. No, but I, I was going to say, you know, Michael, I mean, obviously, you know, one of the things that's very humbling for us is when, when you, you know, even you just mentioned, you're like, eh, and a couple episodes ago when you guys were talking about this, you know, when, when we hear people of, at your level, you know, who are listening to this and, and, and educating themselves still constantly, not, not that we know anything or, or whatever, but maybe we have good guests on, is it, it really showcases to younger goalkeeper coaches that, you need to keep learning from all different platforms that are out there and, and avenues that are available to you. And, and I know, I know the DFB does a lot of goalkeeper education, yeah. uh, you know, you, you know, out there. Um, are there any certain resources that you would recommend for younger goalkeeper coaches to, to, to check out? To be honest, no, everything. If you are a younger goalkeeper coach, it has to be inside you that you want to to improve, and it's okay. it, it's not special for for goalkeeper coaches. It's for for everybody in his job. If he loves to do the job, he finds his way to 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 improve. And and uh, yes, I I also use Instagram. Uh, of of course, stay connected with fans and and give a little bit from from my personal feelings uh, out to the world to spread the thing. But also, I, I like to, to to look around and, and see on pages, and there are very good, yeah, inputs for myself for the training for ex if it's our exercises or or um, mental stuff or anything. So so I I really like it. The most important thing is not to believe that oh I see this uh, exercise on YouTube and this is a good exercise and you do it uh, just because you do it. No no no, you have to think uh what do i want to achieve in the exercise and 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 for what is it good for and what and this is the most tricky question and and uh, most of the times and i can't answer this because if there is an an exercise let's say now from omar 
on internet or on Instagram, and I see this exercise, I can see, okay, this is maybe, this is a one-one situation, he wants to train this, but I don't know exactly what he wants to achieve. Is, is it the positioning? If it, what is his thinking about technique? What is his thinking about uh, the technical aspect? So it's important to to not to do the exercise on Instagram because it's a good exercise. You believe? No, you have to understand what you personally want to achieve, and then you can adapt this exercise uh, in this form. And this is also one thing I learned. Never judge now, just you see something and never judge in the right moment uh, what this exercise is good for. Because uh, there was an example, uh, I had a conversation with another goalkeeper coach and he made an exercise and he said, uh, Michael, when, when I did this exercise, it was it was in the end of the practice and it made no sense for, for, for anybody who understands goalkeeping. It makes no sense because it was totally different topic. It was uh not something special but it was the in, if everybody wanted to judge me he would say hey why is he doing it but i was doing this because the goalkeeper for a bonus he made a good training session and said hey you can choose one uh, session uh, one one last uh, exercise and we will do it so everything that, that's the most important thing everything has to make sense for yourself and then then it's a good exercise no matter how yeah. you 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 train, or maybe sometimes last couple of weeks I was using uh, balloons, air balloons. Oh, I want to see! I want to see that session. Please show no, us. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it it was just to get a, a little bit of, of of feeling how a balloon is. Yeah, it made sense because I was combining it with with uh, with a medicine ball, with with, with a heavier ball. It was uh, related with a small ball to get a cognitive aspect to to have the differentiation. So, but if you if somebody is out there uh, and says training in Bundesliga and with balloons, huh? why? <laughs> so. This, yeah. this, this is the thing, but I also use uh, Instagram as inspiration. Why not? Why not? But I, I then adjust it to what I want to to train with the goalkeepers and I, I adjust. And the most funny thing is I also think that I'm not creative, but since uh, four years now, I make not only one training is different and I'm still scared not to be creative enough. And 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 that's a funny thing as well. So you, you can overthink sometimes yeah you use you use balloons there's you're you're as creative as can be that's <laughs> omar you have to if, if michael will allow you i think you have to put that on your channel that that sounds like a pretty <laughs> pretty but in context with context yeah then, you have to uh, totally explain to people why why uh why you're using that well well michael th thanks for taking all the all the time man i mean um Best of luck. I hope there's a draw this weekend against Wolfsburg. I hope you guys are both in that top four uh, <laughs> position. Uh, Make a decision. Make a decision, Mike. Um, but if uh, if people want to connect with you, where where's the best place? Is it is it Instagram? M point uh, dot like my name. So okay. if you put in Xpuning, then it's such a diff uh, difficult name. If you put it correctly into it, then, then you find me. Basically. <laughs> it, it's, it'll, it'll most likely come up to you guys. And it's also one of the best profile pictures ever with the hands coming out like that. I absolutely love, love that shot in a stylish shirt as well, too. Yep. That right there. That's the one right there. Um, 
Oh my gosh, guys. And obviously, you know, if you want to check out, you know, Omar Zini's, uh, you know, uh, content in context with context and understand why he's doing the breakdowns uh, that, that he's doing, go to pro GK Academy underscore guys uh, at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms. If you have a guest suggestion or topic suggestion, contact at inside the 18, that's the number 18 media dot com uh michael honestly this has been this has been a lot of fun man we, we we're, we're definitely gonna have to have you back and uh and once once uh once the world returns to normal we'd even told pascal we have to make a trip to germany we uh omar omar's got a backpack ready to go he's he's got his cameras ready to go and a backpack to, <laughs> I to do. film, film right. every session right. he can find um all right guys that's all the time on inside the 18 and we are out later guys Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Literally takes 10 seconds and immediately makes you eligible for prizes. If you don't have an iPhone, borrow a friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks for all the support, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Madgett, live from Palm Desert, California. With me, you know her as 99 World Cup winner, Suskia Weber. And uh, joining us as a special panelist today, uh, the one and only Stan Anderson, founder of Camp Shutout. And the reason that we have Stan Anderson joining us as a special panelist today is because we have the man, the myth, the legend uh, of, uh, of the Camp Shutout group me uh, that I constantly see over and over and over again. Uh, we got Charlie Lyon, recently retired MLS goalkeeper. Charlie, thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, on this lovely afternoon. I like the fact that you said you want to get back to LA and you got the solid hipster look going. So uh, you're you're ready to go. I, I'll fit right in. No one will no one will be any of the wiser that I'm not from. <laughs> You know, you uh, you had no idea that uh, that, that Stan was coming on right here. So how how do you feel now that uh? That now that your former youth coach is uh is joining us on this podcast, do you feel are you are you more relaxed or are you like oh god? Ugh. No, I'm I'm stoked because I was talking to him on the phone a little bit ago and didn't he didn't tell me he was going to be on. Stan's quite the quite the magician when it comes to uh, yep, he got mind games. <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, let's uh, let's let's delve a little bit into this right now. So obviously, you know, um, today's topic is we are going to be talking about youth players training with multiple teams and uh, and how that affects them, whether it's beneficial, whether it's detrimental. Um, but for a lot of people out there who might not kind of be familiar with your journey, um, why don't you first off let everybody know is that you just recently made an announcement, right? Yep. Just uh, announced my retirement from professional soccer. So closing out a six-year career and ultimately what I think is roughly a 23-year pursuit of the game as a player. Wow. Wow. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, one of, one of those things is like it's, it's, really, it, it's really cool when, you know, people are, have had all these different types of experiences, you know, and they can kind of come back on here, you know, and kind of, I don't want to say reflect on, on them, but like, I mean, and we're even going to maybe look at some clips of you, you know, from the past and stuff like that. But just, you know, a lot of the people out there, you know, they might not be familiar with the fact that, is that you actually spent some time doing what was called being a, an MLS pool goalkeeper. Why, why don't you explain what that, what that was? 
this utility goalkeeper for the league. So I was signed to the league as a whole and was stationed with Portland, but could be used by any team at any point during the season. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think one of, one of those things about that is that obviously is, is that experience is, you know, kind of like, it, it's interesting. So, you know, Susky, I mean, it was, um, Obviously, I mean, there was a there was the situations with uh, with a lot of players, you know, back with the national team, when, you know, when you were younger and stuff like that, and there wasn't a league, and and you you know, people would just try to go and find and, and train wherever they could, you know, because the national team was almost kind of like your home base. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my you know, I would train at Rutgers, men, so that was so I would go back to Jersey, and that was my home base. If I you know, until I went and played pro, and even after I played pro and in between stuff. So like, you just had to find what you, you had to do what you could do. And, um, you know, uh, forever indebted to Bob Riasso and, and the Rutgers men's team for always welcoming me with open arms. Um, but yeah, that was it. And, and then your home base was in and out of um, residencies and camps with the national team. Yeah, you know, and I, I think, you know, one of the really cool things about this, you know, is kind of like turning it full circle, like as kind of we get into this topic and everything like that, you know, and Stan, you know, obviously you spent a tremendous amount of time in the youth game. And, uh, and one of the things that, you know, you obviously experienced, you know, through your time in the youth game is that, you know, you we want goalkeepers to get experience training as much as possible. So, you know, um, I, I don't know, you know, how much, you know, obviously you encouraged, you know, at FC United or at Chicago Fire and everything like that for keepers to just go out there, get games and get training wherever they could. The, the reality is, is some, for me, the reality is sometimes it doesn't work what you want as a goalkeeper coach and what maybe the director of a club in the youth game may want, or even at the college level, where you may have a goalkeeper that you want to play at the highest level or train at the highest level. And they're not always welcomed in. You know, Saski had a great situation right there. And, you know, I think that uh, the old rooster crows and the young rooster learns and a younger goalkeeper is going to pull from an older goalkeeper and they're, they're going to pull something. And uh, I think it's important for those guys to be put in, in various situations and tougher situations and kind of get their uh, backside handed to them a little bit. And absolutely, even, even if that's within the club, no problem. I've been trained with the men's national team. Yep. I'm going to tell you that story. I trained with Oh Ben's yeah. Actually. Oh yeah. The, yeah. the Landon Donovan save. Mm-hmm. The one where like Brad turned to you and he was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, when you mean I was trying to get out of the way and it hit me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, but it's part of what we're talking about is just like utilizing what I can at the highest level I can. And um, it was right before the world cup, we were on a break and I needed, and they were playing in DC and I called and they said, come on over. So I went to men's training. I mean, I mean, you know, Charlie, you know, one, one of the things that, you know, we kind of want to talk to you about, obviously, is that the thing is, is that like, is training with multiple clubs kind of that same feeling as trialing? Or does it kind of feel more of, like in, in your mind of like, you know, I'm there for my own development rather than trying to, you know, showcase myself? Well, in, in my situation with being a pool player, it did feel a bit of both, but I viewed it mainly as a trial because I wasn't signed to a team for the entirety of the season although you know I had a contract I was I saw every team that I joined as a possible opportunity to join the full roster and so it was always about how do I come in how do I impress how do I make myself a valuable part of this group yeah that's what I was wondering like it's it is kind of like a tryout every time Mm because you know you want you want to come in you're being brought in obviously for a reason and um 
that's that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure yeah. every time you go in something. It is, and and then like in the <laughs> pool player situation, you know, fortunately I. Yeah, well, fortunately, unfortunately, I mean, like, I, I, I wasn't thrown into a situation where I was stepping right into a game from having gone from not being on the team to like one day of training and then like being the starter the next day. But, you know, I think I think that, uh, you know, you have a really quick amount of time to make an impression, right? First impressions matter. So just how you greet the group, how you interact with the coaching staff. And then I think one of the, my best introductions was Sporting Kansas City when I was uh, in uh the bubble for the tournament and, you know, come in, do well, joining their group and, and, you know, trying to play out the back um, and then make this top hand save, you know, parry over the bar, full stretch, you know, on a half volley from one of the guys. And so it was just kind of like, you know, that was one, that was one of the moments of, okay, like I'm here, you, you know, like you guys can count on me. And, and I was really happy to have that in my first day with them. I mean, I mean, I think that, I think that you just brought up a really good point, by the way, you know, like I, I myself personally, like, you know, anytime I hear top hand save and Suskia knows this, anytime I hear top hand save, you know, I, I immediately get excited. It's one of my favorite saves uh, in, in the game, even though it's like overplayed on Instagram for uh, completely out of context. Although Zach Stefan yeah. had a fantastic one today uh, for Man City. Oh, boy. Um, no spoilers, guys. No spoilers on that Man City, Man United. Uh, I, always do that. I know I'm, I'm an idiot. I do it in the group threads, too. So, <laughs> okay, Suskia had that happen to me. <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. The Carabao Cup? Is that what you're talking about today? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking about the, the or as I call it, the Caribou Cup, because uh, I cannot pronounce Caribou. Well, as long as he's over the back pass, it's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, <that> was... <laughs> Charlie, I was... Charlie, you, you, you going into all those environments, no matter what, if, if you would have had that shot because of how, how pliable you are and how you can meld into a team pretty quickly, you're a dependable dude. Had that had that call happened, you would have kicked ass in, in whatever match it was. Um, it's just the, the the character you have. It's not it's 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 not about you. It's about the team, and so that would have carried you well. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, it was, yeah, and, it, and I would say not everybody could do what you did. You know, number one, egos get in the way, and stuff. It's not to be that utility player, to be in the bubble, and to not the bubble for COVID, the bubble or the pool and, and kind of take advantage of every opportunity you get. It takes a certain person to do that. Well, I appreciate that. It's, I mean, it, it, it did come, it wasn't easy. You're right. Because there's those moments of like, Oh, I'm going to get a shot. Like, you know, with, you know, here's my shot, here's my shot. And then, you know, something doesn't materialize from it, you know, and that's just part of it, but you know, you don't treat it any different, you know, you never know what's going to come of it. So you keep showing up each time as if, uh, as if it's going to be the thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, and actually, I actually want to talk to Stan about this because obviously, you know, you obviously in the club environment, you know, you've had, or even in the college environment, you know, sometimes Stan, uh, you know, with spring season and stuff like that, you have kids that kind of come in and out and everything like that. Like, what's kind of the, like the role with the, like the with the coach in this situation, and you know, and how do, how do you handle this so that the, you 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 give give them the most that you can. Um, and and you know, and not kind of look at them as like, oh, you know, they're just here as a training keeper. Yeah, sorry about the the dog keeper there in the background. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's a uh, I think we have UPS arriving at the door. Um, oh, wait but, till uh, mine shows up. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Both of them, Coco and Chanel, are going to go. And Jagger. Mm. Sorry, know, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no matter those uh, those those scenarios, Charlie's going to uh, Charlie's going to run with it. Whether it was in the the youth game where I originally saw him or then in the college game. And, you know, I, I, 
my time with Charlie was truncated at the college game and he came in with a pretty significant injury and uh, really worked his ass off hard to come back. And it was not your standard, even a standard ACL injury. Uh, and that's not standard, but you know, it's commonplace. His was a little bit, uh, a little bit more unique in a PCL situation. And it, it, uh, it ended up being difficult, but I'll, I'll tell you what, what he did is he stabilized everything, including his knee and then put himself in a situation where he just, he was co-goalkeeper goal, 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 goalkeeper of the league. And um, that's not easy to say. And uh, <laughs> ended up uh, ended up doing extremely well. Kurt, you know, Dougie, Dougie put a lot into him as a youth. He carried himself extremely well. National teams fell in love with him. And off he went on and did the college game and, and became a pro. And that was his goal. When I was coaching club um, here for the Bull, we shared our keepers all the time in training. Um, all the time and crossover girls and guys. It wasn't it like, you know, my certain go female goalkeepers would go over to, you know, the O4 boys or something like that. If they had training after, or if they, or anything, if, if Kelly needed another goalkeeper and there was not even a hitch, it was like, yeah, go ahead and take this person or go ahead and take that person and, and um, get in that environment. You know, I, it wouldn't go the opposite direction. It would always yeah. go the up, upper for so they got a harder training, but um, we shared them all the time. So it, you know, I know that I saw that um, Hector was asking that question. So. The biggest, yeah, you know, see, go ahead, the, the biggest challenge. Thank you. Is is when a younger goalkeeper thinks they <laughs> compete at the older level, and they're not ready for it. Yeah. So Charlie, in in Charlie's case, here anyway. He was already physically imposing when he was 13, 14 years old. But there are many that think they're quick enough and they can handle it. And then they end up with buckle fractures in their wrists and such because yeah. they're not ready for the, the pace of play. Oh, I'm but, brutal. I tell them no. Exactly. <laughs> and they'll look at they would look at me at club and be like, why did so and so go over go up to that group? And I'm still I'm like, because you're not ready for that. Exactly. You're not ready for it. You might be in your mind, you might think you are, but you're not. Right. So we but, have to, you and I have to work on some stuff. But yeah. Char Charlie, like as a player and stuff like that, do you appreciate that kind of honesty? I think it's difficult to hear when you're young and you like are, you're itching to, to get it. But at the same time, like it is important because it kind of fuels the fire in a sense. Like, and you want coaches that are going to be honest with you. And it, you know, it is a coach's responsibility not to put you in a situation where you're, you're going to get hurt and you're going to be worse off. And so, you know, it, it I, you know, it really depends on the player's ability to trust the coach and, and their decision in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think that's a really good point in regards to that, because like, I think, you know, we, we've talked about it, you know, we've, we've even talked about it, you know, recently with uh, some Bundesliga coaches is just trust between the goalkeeper coach, Stan, and, and you know, this and, 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 and the goalkeeper is just so monumental because if you don't have that trust, especially in a, in an environment where maybe somebody's either trialing, you know, or um, they're coming in as a, as a development keeper to work with a, with a first team um, it's, it's going to be very difficult for them to be successful. Right. Oh, hugely. I, I, I think trust and goalkeeper and staff, you know, those three words are probably the biggest when you're talking about the, the Bermuda, Bermuda triangle of goalkeeping right there. <laughs> it's hugely important. Um, you know, the interactions physically are so limited, but that, that interaction, that relationship is huge. And you look today with the Brady's and the Gaga Slaninas 
and the uh, Lopez, I think it is, out of L.A., and um, who else do we have? Uh, Beckham Sunderland. And, you know, a lot of these guys are signing at 16, 17 years old and doing well within their teams. Brady went to forward Madison and had a full season and was, I think he was either young player of the year or young goalkeeper of the year. Um, you know, years ago, not only wasn't the platform wasn't there, but now they can do that and play. In, in days of me growing up in, in this game, a 17-year-old goalkeeper, you know, there's not a chance of them, A, having a shot at the professional level, B, training with a college team or a, an equivalent uh, old-school PDL team, those days just didn't happen. Now you got a 17-year-old getting young player of the year in a in a pro league. It's yeah. you know, it's it's a different uh, it's a different time right now. No, I totally agree with you. Yeah, it was, you know, back maybe like a couple decades after Stan. Back, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it was true. Goalkeepers needed experience. And that, you know, oh wait, Stan, did he leave? <laughs> <laughs> Um, goalkeepers needed experience, game experience, understanding, and, and um, organization. They also needed the respect of um, back when I was playing too, you know. And the 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 more experience you got, the older you got, the more respect you got from you know directing older players and stuff like that. The better you became. At seventeen years old, like back then, no, you needed experience. Well, you know, it's it's funny you brought that up, you know, Stan. By the way, honestly, Stan, I'm I'm really blown away with your your knowledge of the uh, the youth goalkeeping development scene. It's almost as if you had like a, a a scouting report right in front of you right now of of all the top young goalkeepers in the mid in the Midwest or something like that. Uh, so shout out to whoever prepared that uh that 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 um you know that whole uh, cross section for you. Guys, uh, maybe maybe it was Bill Reno. Unbelievable. His mind is unbelievable. <laughs> the amount of names that are in that mind, I've never seen anything like it. You know, but, but you, let's talk about Charlie for a second. So Charlie goes into a college situation. Charlie's the high-profile recruit. You know, Charlie was the guy that we were able to sign, which I'm sure Saskia was in her day. That's You're recruiting a number one, you know. So to manage Charlie's coming in, he probably thinks that, you know, in his mind or otherwise, he's going to be the number one right away. David Check was the unheralded dude in Charlie's time but he was a freak of nature. He could fly like an eagle. The guy was a, a very, very, very good goalkeeper. And you, you run into those dynamics in goalkeeping where, you know, one guy thinks, okay, I've been with the national team and I'm going to end up at this school and, you know, all these sorts of things. And, and you've got to manage that in a coach player relationship, but the, the player has to manage it more so in this six inch yeah. relationship with themselves to realize, you know, you know, am I, am I good enough? Am I not? What do I need to do? I am better. All those things that play out in a day-to-day yeah. basis. Yeah, I mean, and that that comes down on the coach and the environment as well. I mean, if you look at like Lauren now, you know, the starter at UCLA, she was behind Tegan when she came in, and she learned a lot from Tegan. But she, that's how Amanda and everybody, and that was and Jenny, and that was before I was there. Like that's what they made happen. No, you're not whether you think so up here or not and you know she learned from Tegan she developed herself and she's phenomenal now and she's was ready to take over the reins you know regardless of your status coming in from club guys like 
<laughs> well, you know, I mean, but, but you brought and up a good point. Probably not ready. <laughs> Thank God, Stan, that you did not say, you know, well, you know, was, Charlie was very heralded, you know, coming up, you know, uh, you know, in his day, as I'm sure Saskia wasn't in her day. Thank God you didn't say, and Michael too, uh, because I was, <laughs> I was not heralded in any way what, whatsoever. Uh, so I did, uh, I did walk in and start, though, at Rutgers, but that was the situation as it was had I gone to UNC when I was recruited like had I gone to one of the other schools I probably would have sat behind uh Lori Walker if I had if I had gone to UNC at that point and and so even though I'd already been in national team like and stuff so um you know that would have happened to me as well yeah Michael I did not know the pedigree I was not aware of that. I did not have Bill Reno notes. Charlie didn't tell me. He didn't set me up and tell me how many years you were recruited by by uh, Rutgers or UNC or Stanford prior to your your time. So I I apologize if we can edit the show. <laughs> but I, I have a Charlie question. Do you feel that because what coming into college and going through that, not come, you know, being number one recruit, and then. Mm -hmm not playing, not playing right away, kind of helped you with what you had to do in the sense with MLS, like, you know, being that pool player and going into teams like that, because you did go through that in the in your college career. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy to look back at the, at my college career and, and see the, the final three seasons that I played and see me as a number one and see what was accomplished during that time. But what, you know, is often overlooked is the the 15 months spent rehabbing, learning to walk, learning to run again, then then coming back from the injury, not having had a game until preseason in, in over 15 months, you know, not doing particularly well. Um, and then when I did finally get a shot, you know, my my first college game was not good. <laughs> No, it wasn't. Good. It was not good. I love the way Stan does that. He's like, he's like, oh, we're not going to go mean, there, but yeah. I no. think he was waiting to see what you were going to say. And, and so, you know, I, I, like, I, you know, it, it sucked. Like, and, but I knew that Stan wasn't, he wasn't, you know, I trusted him in the fact that, like, I knew that I didn't play well enough, but I also knew that he believed in me long term. And so, even though I wasn't playing, I also knew that. I just had to be a part of the team at that point. And, you know, after that performance too, I'm like, I'm not ready. I got to support the guy in front of me. And, and hopefully if I get my chance later in the year, then I'm going to be ready. Um, yeah. So, you know, Sask, to your point, like, yeah, it helped me because I had been the number one through uh, the Academy days, through club days. And so that was really the first taste of being a number two, being a supporting player and being a guy that needed to be more about the team than about myself. Yeah, welcome to my entire <laughs> national team career. <laughs> I love well, you, Bri. <laughs> Still but, uh, to this day. <laughs> but you know, you know, um, you know, one one really interesting thing about this is, you know, and you're talking about both you guys in regards to talking about coming in and sitting. I find personally, you know, when I when I speak to a lot of goalkeepers, especially who try to move on to the professional level, those goalkeepers who never faced any sort of adversity and that always and I know we're completely diverting off the topic here, but I think it's important for young goalkeepers to hear this. Those goalkeepers that never faced adversity, that always got playing time, that never had to had to that never struggled, never had to deal with an injury, never had to deal with competing for a spot. Once they got to that pro level, Charlie, and I'm sure you saw this 
they couldn't handle rejection because they'd never been rejected before. Yeah, for the, for the guys that it's too easy or it just comes too naturally, when, when that adversity comes, they don't have the, the tools in their toolkit to deal with it. I mean, I outlasted players through my career, both in youth and college and then pro, that I think were far better uh, physically gifted or athletically or technically but it was just, you know, this mindset, this, this ability to put in the work over time that I think sustained me. And I think that's, that's what it is. You want the right mix. Sure. Like you need, you need the certain physical gifts, a certain ability, but you also need to have enough adversity that, that kind of hardens you along the way to, to be able to do the whole journey. Yeah. I mean, that's what I meant by like, you know, you know, that ego, that mindset, Oh, and I can bring somebody up that got put on the bench and threw a temper tantrum. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, I could say it. I yeah. Say it. I mean, it, it, yeah, it was, it was absolutely one of, it was horrible. And, but it's that mindset and it's, it's that it's, people will go by the wayside. And because of that, where if, you know, you, if you can look inside yourself and do what you did and, and, and take your time and put the time in and understand it's not about you, it's about the team, you have longevity in that. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that that also, you know, I mean, in regards to like, you know, kind of coming back back to this, you know, uh, Charlie, is that if you obviously moving on to the next part of your career right now, right, you know, your next part of your journey outside of the game and everything like that if you had developed that type of a either reputation or that type of a work ethic, because you thought everything was handed to you, imagine now going into the, you know, to the public workforce as a, as a civilian quote unquote, <laughs> you know, how, how, I, I don't want to say, you know, how much of a failure you would be, but you know, how inept in, in, in unprepared for the real world you would be. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think that, I mean, that's one of the many great things about sport and about what you learn through, you know, being in the arena, you know, so to, so to speak. But uh, I think the game and, you know, I think all of you, you know, you guys have all crossed that threshold before I have. I think you can speak to the fact that the game continues to give you things that you didn't realize that it had. You know, you start to look back and you go, man, wow, like that experience was so much richer than anything I even mm -hmm. knew at the time. And so I, I'm starting to see it, but, you know, I'm excited to see where the rest of that, that goes. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, being adaptable is huge and uh, you would have not being a pool player, but having a reputation of, you know, not a good reputation for being adaptable. Mm -hmm. um, you wouldn't have been brought in. Right. You would have sat in the pool and you would have sat in Portland or wherever you were. And they would have called a different goalkeeper. in that was in the pool sure, that was adaptable. And that did put the team first. And it did think that way. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't, I don't think I have a second year of being a pool player. If you know that, if I'm absolutely, they would have, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Tim Kelly right there. You know, your job as a, your job as a number three goalkeeper is to certainly be good, but hugely important for you to be liked. And it, it, there's no, there's no room for a, a cancer third goalkeeper on a team. It's just, uh, it doesn't. And third goalkeeper at the pro level is elite. Mm -hmm. They're, they're fantastic. You know, you have a third goalkeeper on a club team or something. It might not be, but pro level, are you kidding me? And, and there's just no room for it. No, no you definitely want to be liked. Absolutely. Like, 
and I don't mean like, you know, the party person off the field. I mean, but you want your team, when you come in and you're playing and you're playing small-sided or you're doing whatever your team, you don't, you want them to love having you behind them, period. Even if you are third, you know, you know, if you're a pain in the ass, you're not, your, your life's short-lived. It yeah, is. You know, it I, is. Go ahead, Charlie. One, and just in, in that vein too, I mean, I was fortunate to have uh, some really good examples of in front of me my first year as a, a pro having Stephen Fry and Troy Perkins to to be understudies to you know and they the, the thing that stuck with me from Steph and the mentality of the group was that he was representing our work for the week you know and so you know he put a lot of pressure on himself in that sense That's of like you know he's representing the, the our goalkeeping core but to me it helped me reframe of like okay if I'm pushing Steph in training you know, like the, the save that he made in the MLS Cup final, like that's stuff I've seen him do in training. Like it's no mistake that that happened. And, and also, too, because the rest of us were in there pushing him, making similar saves. And so, you know, granted, it takes a special person to pull that off in that moment. You know, I'm not saying that we all step in and, and make that save that Steph made. But, um, you know, when when the number one makes it easy to be supportive of, you know, that's that's obviously an ideal situation it, when you are the two or the three. Absolutely. I, I absolutely love what you just said right there, Charlie. And I think a lot of young goalkeepers out there who are listening to this and, and, and goalkeeper coaches out there who are, who are working with goalkeepers who might not necessarily be, you know, on their team, but they're, they're coming because at the club level and Stan, you know, this, you know, you get that kid who really wants to play at FC United. He's just not at the level, you know, and he keeps coming out in the off season and he's training with you and he's doing privates with you and everything like that. And, and you want them to, to understand that every time they go to a different club to get some training in, learn what they can. Maybe not just from the goalkeeper coach, but also like Charlie, what you're saying, from the number one at that club, you know? Mm -hmm. We had a yeah. kid in St. Charles who I was I just coached the goalkeepers. 12 years old, he showed up for, for you know, a couple of years with jean shorts, his guards outside his socks, <laughs> the sport wrecks, you know, the whole thing. Uh, he was a heavy kid. Uh, struggled, but he, but he worked, he showed up, he, he struggled, he worked, he showed up and you fast forward until I came back for an event or whatever it was at, at his age at about 17, 18 years old, he had put on eight inches, yeah. lost probably 40 pounds and ended up at a, a scholarship player at Dayton and had a fantastic career. And if yes. you look at that kid at 12 to 14 years old, you're going, no. No, but they just keep working, 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 showing yeah. up. The guy was a joy to be around. Boom, opportunities unfold. Yeah, I, I, well, until I left club, I had a couple kids like that that I, you know, when first started with them, they, you know, <laughs> you're just like, I don't know how this is good. And then they come back from summer and they're six inches taller and they've grown in at our feet. And now like everything you have been going over clicks and they're just a different keeper and, and, but they're a joy to be around. They work so hard. Yeah. You know, yeah. They don't give up. The difference for Charlie is that, you know, Charlie at 12 was already, you know, dare I say, but he was already Charlie Lyon. You know, you, you could just, you could tell it, you know, Dougie worked with him quite a bit and Dougie knew, and you could just tell that he was. And so rare is that player that fulfills the promise. And that's what Charlie did. Yeah. That's why there's a hashtag of IWCLN. I want Charlie Lyon now. That was the, that was the running communication while he, while I was being recruited. 
um, was uh, they were anxious to get me committed to Marquette, and I'm, I'm glad I did. Nice. I would just love to be a hashtag. That'd be amazing. I would feel so, I would feel I, so important. I can give you some hashtags. <laughs> Please. Well, well, Suskia, you'll, you are definitely a hashtag already. So you, you don't need, you don't need help with that, but I, I would love to someday, someday be a hashtag, hopefully in a, in a positive note. I know some people trend them for negative reasons. We don't want, we don't want that kind of a hashtag, uh, uh to go on. Um, Charlie, I, I want to ask you about this because, you know, um, Obviously, like, you know, you're not in the youth game right now. I know you've, you've been in the pro environment and everything like that. Um, but if you were a youth player right now um, and you're in the off season, right, you don't have a club because a lot of kids and Stan, you know this because the COVID situation, some clubs are training, some clubs aren't. Some facilities are open, some, some facilities aren't. What advice would you give them? Would you give them to just, you know, train with every club you can or, or to find a home base? Yeah, I mean, ideally you want a place that is a home base that, you can have your development, you know, be anchored to, like you want to have a place where you believe in the coaching staff, you believe in the direct, the direction the club is going hundred percent. But if that's not something that's available to you, or that's something that you're still searching for, then I would say, yeah, go, go see what other clubs have. And then, and then furthermore, it, that experience, not only do you get exposed to different styles and philosophies, but it also helps refine your ability to judge a club as you're going into it because you you can start to identify the things that you do and don't like so you know I would never sit here and say yeah don't don't go train with somebody if you have the opportunity I I was exposed to I think I counted it I mean with with being on trial I don't know like maybe eight or so different MLS clubs and and goalkeeper coaches and so you know like there's there's a lot of really valuable things from doing that. Oh my God. I mean, I, I think that's just, just so huge. And, and Suska, I know you've, you've talked about this consistently is like, go find, don't, you know, we talk about this what all I the said. time is don't, don't stick, don't stick with one coach. Like you have to, what, what's going to happen? You go to college and you're not going to be able to handle another voice because you've had the same voice literally your, your entire life. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't be afraid to like, don't, don't, don't be that kid. That's just like, well, you know, Stan told me to do it this way. What everybody else says is the wrong way. You, you know what I mean? I understand that it's that goalkeeping's gray, and that take little bits from here and there. Um, develop develop yourself as like a well-rounded goalkeeper. Um, and and you know you get kids that do that. I'll have kids when I was coach club. I have kids that come back in the summer, or even like when they come into college, and they're like, "Well, you know, when we do this, we do it this way and stuff like that." And I'm like, "Well, let's have a discussion about it. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Let's see, let's let's see the pros and cons on this way. Why don't you try it this way? Let's figure it out. You know, let's find a, a middle ground. Or no, your other coach is totally wrong, and I'm right. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's but, probably what I would say. I would say it is like you know, hey listen to Saskia. Okay. Just but don't, you also, but you, in the same respect saying that you also have to be smart and careful about it. Like, I don't want yeah. you with, uh, you know, if you're going to ask me my advice, I don't want you like skipping balls off the ocean with, and jumping through a hula hoop, you know, like <laughs> tell me what you're learning, like certain things, like you, you have to be able to know what, what is go putting your career in the right direction and what's not helping you at all. I mean, you brought up a really good point. And Stan, obviously, you know, you, especially with Camp Shutout, you get kids from all over the world who've had so many different voices in, in their heads the, the other time. Is it a disadvantage also for kids if they're not getting at least consistency with, with one club or one 
goalkeeper coach. So they have so many voices, but there's not enough time with either one for anything to really stick. I don't know if, uh, if this, if the sticking is the, is the issue. I, I think going to as many as possible is good. It's not, it's not going to be the kid's fault when they do that. Mm. I think in some cases it's going to be the coach's fault and what they deliver. Yeah. Um, you know, to what Saski is saying about, about, uh, you know, being in the ocean or jumping over fire and, and you know, things like this, whether you're in the States or, or the Czech Republic, um, it, where, wherever that is, it, you know, there are coaches that beat the crap out of you as a, as a youth player. And I, I think that 14 to 18 year old window of, of let's say a youth goalkeeper, that's a precious time where you can really, you can really get beat up and no one really is really paying attention. Right. Not every club is giving goalkeeper instruction so our position, I think, allows us to go somewhere else and and hop into training, yeah. even at another club, and not feel threatened like you're being recruited or anything else because you might not be getting any goalkeeper training at your parent club. So, you know, how can you blame a kid for going to club Y when club X isn't giving you anything to at least get some training in? Um, and, and that's, you know, too commonplace in our, in our position. I also think that if you have a, if you are with a coach that has an issue with that, then find another coach. Like a good example would be Jamie, Jamie Campbell, right? I, you know, you train Jamie, Ian trains, trains Jamie, I've trained Jamie, you know, and we all, none of us have a problem with it. You're like, oh, you know, you were Mike today or, oh, you were the, you know, awesome. You know, um, I know, you know, all you guys as coaches and we're all on the same page and we communicate and, you know, parents communicate and stuff like that. And we know she's getting the best of the best when she's training and there's no problem. But if I'm sitting here going like, I can't believe that you went and did a private with Mike or with Ian, you know, no, forget. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, as long as it's quality and you're getting the training in, like, get it. About Charlie is, you know, Dougie and I, Dougie Cardozi, we don't see eye to eye on everything. We have massive respect for each other. But Charlie, Charlie and Dougie, there was a, a very, very good relationship back then. And, you know, me going through Dougie to recruit somebody, I'm going to have the utmost belief in him. All right. So, you know, that was an easy recruit. Now, there's some people just philosophically you don't gel with. And that's where I think the goal, the coach themselves is a bigger responsibility because of how their reputation is could open doors or could close doors for a kid. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you just brought up a really, really good point right there. Like, you know, Charlie, obviously you've had some great influences, you know, in your life, you know, not only just at, at the, you know, youth level, the college level, but also at the professional level. You know, I've, I've spoken to a, a lot of MLS goalkeeper coaches. There's a reason you were in that pool so consistently and so often called in is because not only, did you have a great reputation every single time you came in, right? You were of the level, um, but they also respected the work ethic that you had when you went there because you knew your role and you weren't trying to show I'm better than all your other goalkeepers, yada, 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 yada. No, you were there to fill a role and whatever the club needed from you, you were there to service them. Yeah. Yeah. And there so th this is something I've reflected on in my career. And, and so I, I think there was maybe, I mean, I certainly had that part of being able to, to understand and know that I, you know, I'm not the best thing to ever happen to goalkeeping, you know, like I knew that I wasn't the pinnacle of it. 
Yeah, that's Omar. That's Omar Zini. Yeah. That's why he's not here right now. He's showing his magic to the other. He's sharing his Sorry, magic with the youth of America. He's showing the world. I'm sticking up for you, Omar. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, to that, to that point, like, I mean, like, I just, I, I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't the end all be all of goalkeeping and like that I always had more to learn and that, and that the, being at the pro level and being exposed to a bunch of different teams and clubs, I realized how small the margins are, you know? So it's just any given day, any one of us could step in and have a similar performance. And so I didn't believe you know, that, that I needed to come in and, you know, make it a, a pissing contest and, and then mess up the chemistry of the group. Like all of a sudden it was just like, you know, all hands on board. We got to win this game tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really good point, Charlie. And I, I want a lot of young goalkeepers to hear that is that like, Guys, if you think that's the way to win a job at a club or to get signed by by a, by a club, a youth club, Stan, you know this, Saskia, you know this, and obviously Charlie, you know this. Like, no, that's actually going to be detrimental to you getting signed by a club. Sure, big time, man, big time. That 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 that's like nails on a chalkboard for me, right? Absolutely. Now. I, I just I've got yeah. no time for 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 people like that. I, Not at all. Not at all. And and and. You know, it's just your team has to feel that as well. And like you, if you are coming in there and it's a pissing contest and, and, you know, like you said, nails on a chalkboard and, you know, if you come, it's horrible. It's horrible for the chemistry of the team. It's horrible for anything. And I will go back to that game with Opsoli against Brazil and, and Bry because the attitude for being put on the bench. Yeah, we lost. Okay, fine. But the attitude for being put on the bench, the energy that was being put on there, the nails on the chalkboard and everything was a cancer for the entire team. And yeah, you lost, you know? And so, you know, coming in with a total different mentality in that situation, having total confidence in Bry, giving a different energy out would have, who knows what the outcome would have been then. You know, if you were up there cheering on, all right, all right, it's okay, one goal, no big deal. Like, you know what I mean? Instead, you know, instead it's the total opposite and it's just infectious. And so, no, I can't stand goalkeepers like that either. And I wouldn't want them on my team at all. Yeah. At all. And and for the, you know, for the young players listening, like that's not to say that you don't have, you need to have some level of self-belief and something that transcends the, you know, where you're at in the sense that you believe that you have more to give, right. That you, that you do believe that you deserve to be a number one, if you, you know, perform that way. Right. But, but in the end of the day, you know, there's only one of us in goal at a time and you, you want those around you to also support you when you have that opportunity, you know, to have a toxic environment where you guys are, you know, going back and forth, like you guys, you know, it's, to me, it seems better to work in a way which you are both supporting each other because, um, I mean, take for instance, so like my career, I never, I could never get away from Tyler Miller. Uh, he came into to Chicago, the PDL team, you know, and they liked him better. You know, I leave for Seattle um, after I had to get my rights released and go train while I was still in college, leave for Seattle and Columbus and, um, you know, build a relationship with Seattle, ultimately how I end up there. But they had eyes on Tyler, couldn't, couldn't get away from him there. I would go to Orange <laughs> County for an opportunity to be with LAFC the following year. Could not get away from Tyler. <laughs> but what I realized was that I'm not going to, I don't want to beat Tyler because I was doing these underhanded things. I was messing up his service. I was 
getting trying to get in his head like say say oh you know, things to him like that would be horrible like I that's not because I beat him out because I actually deserved it like I only wanted I only wanted to be on the field because I knew I deserved it you know yeah. and so like I, I hope that other goalkeepers can see that like you know I again you have to have that belief that you can step in and do it and be the number one um but yeah you don't you don't want to do it through undercutting the person in front of you no I think if we go back to what you said before you know that goalkeepers representing your all of your work all week in practice so Bri was always representing how hard her and I worked you know whether she was starting or not I knew that because of how hard I was working and pushing her and how hard she was working she was pushing me knowing that had something happened and I've been put in that my my teammates as I've been told I'm not assuming this they never thought there's a drop in level they never worried about it it was one you know whether it was one and one and a half it was it was what it was but we created that by working with each other and not having any animosity or any anything you know but and exactly like I want to be number one and start because that's the way it is not because I was mean to Bri and gave her bad services or like mm-hmm. you know got into her head or something like that like that that yeah. would be horrible maybe, <laughs> maybe 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 some adults right now in the world should uh, should learn that lesson I don't know anyway just that's all that's the only comment I'm gonna make right now uh, only comment I, I'm- <laughs> doubly hard at the youth level because it's the goalkeeper and the parents you know these oh, absolutely examples where it's the the person themselves and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And um, so, you know, when you, when you have it at the youth level and someone else is trying to, to basically lawn more their, their way for you as an opportunity, it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't end up boding well for you in the short term or the long term, in my opinion. No, absolutely. Now, 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 I think a lot of you guys are listening to this and going like, you know, wow. I mean, you know, it sounds like, you know, Charlie, you know, obviously, you know, had to, had to go through a lot of different struggles in order to, to make his opportunities happen. And I want to kind of share basically the fruits of your labor type of a thing. Charlie, one of my favorite performances of you personally is that friendly against Borussia Dortmund where you had some incredible, incredible moments. And honestly, if, if, I, had to, if I had to say one thing, you know, if, if your entire career was all to be able to, to get this opportunity right there, I would say what a successful career. Because, you know, to have that opportunity at LAFC in front of all those people against a world-class club like that. So I want to share you know, this, this with the audience right now. And, and th- this is one of the first saves is actually after Tyler Miller played in the first half, you, know, you, <laughs> <Look at Stan. laughs> you came in and uh, I think, it, I think it was at uh was it the 69th minute right now? I think basically what happens is Alexander Isaac uh, plays the ball to Maximilian Philippe. Oops, hold on. Let me turn off that, uh, that volume right there. Plays that ball to Maximilian Philippe on the volley. Boom. Look at that. Look at that steer right there. Are you kidding me? I think we need to go back and, and see that how that kind of developed right there for the audience who's like listening on the audio right here. Again, like I said, basically balls played to Isak. Isak plays the slip ball on the bounce. Gotta love that bounce. MLS bounce. And uh, Maximilian Philippe, the hit, the steer. And look at the eyes. I, I want everyone to see that because now you're in a position for recovery save to cover that gap and, and be there. What, what a brilliant brilliant save right Stan yeah 100 percent. and and what's cool is there's there's people in the stadium holy cow <laughs> that's outstanding the best, best part of the clip right now who, who would have thought, <laughs> thought we'd be in that position <laughs> but, um, but he's just, he's ready you know I mean this, he's nothing, ready. this is just that's a training save right there um mm-hmm. 
you know, shot at the top of the 18 and a fair enough crack. Um, and that's, you know, whether it's a DVB or, or uh, somebody from the Academy that took the crack, it, he's making the save. Well, and yeah. that's, a, that's the thing for, you know, any of the young ones listening, like you, you get into those moments and, you know, it is surreal. It's surreal to be on the field in that, that moment, you know, 20,000 in the stadium and playing against Dortmund and, you know, like it's, it's surreal, but you fall back in those moments. Like there's no time to think. It doesn't matter who you're playing against the shot, whether it's come off of a, a teammate's boot, uh, you know, an Academy player's boot or, you know, the best player in the world's boot, like, you know, you still have to address the shot. And so I think that's the thing is just really trusting the work that you put in, in the week and, and, you know, over the course of your career. And then, then those moments happen and you don't even have to think about it. It just is this expression of something kind of bigger, you know, than, than just that moment. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I think I also want a lot for a lot of young goalkeepers out there listening and stuff like that to, to see this is that, you know, to recognize how competitive the professional environment is, those two players I mentioned right there that, that he made the save on Alexander Isak and, uh, and Maximilian Philippe are no longer at Dortmund. Right. Neither one of them is at Dortmund. That's how cutthroat it is at the professional level. So the fact that Charlie was able to train and play with multiple, multiple clubs at the MLS level, you all have to recognize that he's one of the point zero 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 one percent of you youth players out there. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, and I really want them to hear that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate that. It's been, it's taken a lot of reflection because I, as I've talked to people, as I've made this transition from the game, you know, I was a kid, I had really big dreams going in. Like I wanted to surpass Howard, you know, like I wanted how Tim Howard to not even, you know, be a footnote in what I did, you know? And, and so like, I didn't even get close, you know, like I didn't even get close to, to accomplishing some of these goals, but, you know, I look back and, and, to then put it in that context, you're right. Like, you know, one of however many people that made it to the MLS and then six years, you know, in it. And um, so it's taken, it's taken a little bit of time to reframe and really appreciate the opportunity that I had and, and where, you know, my, my hard work and dedication took me. So I appreciate that. I mean, I mean, absolutely, man. And I want to share one more, one more of these Dortmund clips. Cause I, I just think it's honestly, you know, as we're, I want to do this almost as a little bit of a celebration to your career, you know, because yeah. I know you recently made your retirement announcement, you know, this past weekend. Um, and, uh, and on, you're on to some, some bigger and better things, which I'm really excited about. Um, but, uh, but, but I want to, I want to share this Dan, again. What's up? Before again. we go to that clip, cause I don't want to yeah. change the subject completely, but you know, he's Charlie isn't even in these positions. If there wasn't a, a woman by the name of, Lauren Falk, who helped him through his entry into college and his rehab from a significant injury. And here he is now at this level. And you, Charlie, you correct me if I'm wrong, but if there's somebody to give some or tip the hat to, um, right that's somebody that helped help change your, your career. hundred percent to, to the people that, um, the, the surgeon, um, Dr. Gordon, and then Lauren, you know, those two were, I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't even be here. I wouldn't have had the college career. I wouldn't, wouldn't have had the pro career if it weren't for the people around me that even made it physically possible to go from having to learn to walk and run again to kick a ball, you know, like started from almost from scratch at the start of the college career. And, and she put countless hours into me, you know, and that's for awesome. that, I'm, I'm deeply Sorry, grateful. No, that's awesome. 
I'm glad no. you said that. No, I mean that that that's absolutely wonderful, and that's totally worth interrupting this clip that uh, that any anyone else can find find out there. Uh, but uh, we're going to share this again. So really, what happened basically right here? I think it's a it's a ball by Gonzalo Castro uh, to Nuri Sahin. Here's, I think, where the ball's played up, up and over again. And here, Charlie, I actually want to bring up one of the things here is that because the fact that you trained with so many different MLS teams, you played in so many different systems, you saw so many different types of scenarios. When you got into a situation against a Dortmund like this, you were prepared for any of these types of moments, as opposed to a lot of young, young goalkeepers who are training, let's just say, with one club who just plays one system. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're thrown into the unknown, they, they don't know how to react to it. Come out, stay big right there. And brilliant save right there. Again, come out, fast approach, slow arrival, hold shape. Boom, great save. Again, positive movement, out of but bounds. But it's the movement while the ball is in traveling in no man's land mm-hmm. that, ma- that makes this save. A lot of go- young goalkeepers out there, they're going to wait till that ball hits the ground, then they're going to try to come. And instead, while this ball is in transit, he's already moving. And by the ball drops, he's already in the right position. And you see a lot of young goalkeepers, they'll wait and they'll come. And you're, yep. you're, you're dead in that situation. And you try to tell them, move, move into that space while nobody can touch the ball, while, while it is in that dead zone. And, mm-hmm. and now, boom, when that ball drops on the Dortmund foot, you're in position. You're right there. And, and I think it's, it's difficult. You, what you learn as you work through some of these situations is the, the timing of it so that mm-hmm. you, you're not – you're not too greedy and taking more than you need. Like sometimes, you know, the correct adjustment is smaller than you think. Absolutely. And, and you, but to your point, there's times where you have the opportunity and you really need to take ground. And so it's, it's being able to find that, uh, that balance there. You, you know, you know, it, it's, it's a good thing that you brought that up because I think the thing is, is that, especially like when we're talking about going back to the topic of, a, you know, training with multiple teams is a lot of kids when they, when they go into a new environment, they really want to, showcase themselves and really want to do more than they need to, or, you know, overextend themselves, you know, and a situation like that, I'll be honest with you. If that was me, I would have been sprinting all the way to Sahin because I would have been so excited to try to get there and try to get that ball. But you recognized and you had discipline to recognize I have to cover ground and I have to hold here. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm glad, I'm glad we circled back to this because this was something that had kind of stayed in my mind. I made a note to come back to it. Because I, I, I talk about my introduction to Kansas City and the top hand save and all that kind of stuff. Yes, that's important if you're given the opportunity to make that save, but make the save that's in front of you. Don't go into a trial. Don't go into a new situation thinking you got to go make the top save and miss every single save you should have oh, made in the meantime. Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank yeah, you. Like, you, need, you need to make the saves. You need to make the saves on. And then if you have the opportunity to do something brilliant, do it. But be consistent. Do the things that you're supposed to do. That's how you support the team. That's Absolutely. how you make an impact. Do the basics, please. And I tell kids, I tell young players that all the time. And even in college, I'm like, good on you. I, but if you're going to ask me a thousand times, I'm going to tell you, I don't care if they score that top hand goal. If you just let up five easy, like basic, like cookie cutter plays, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, you know, great. Make the top hand save, make the upper 90, but then, then don't do the basics and, and, right. and make a mess of everything else that's not supporting the team. You yeah. know, that's what you need to be getting done. That. 100%. And, and for me, like, 
I, I really see a mark of a quality goalkeeper. And I think it's those who have been in the game, you know, for a while can recognize it is you make something that's difficult. look so easy. Absolutely. It looks so routine. And you, like, as a young player, you need to fall in love with, with handling positioning and the basics, you know, like, and cause that's, that is what's going to support you at the next level. Yeah. The, the top save might, the top hand save or whatever is going to look great on Instagram for all your buddies. But if you can't, <laughs> if you can't catch a ball, you can't, you know, move your body behind and get your feet set, you know, you're doesn't matter. You're not, you, you, you only have likes on Instagram. You're not going to have pro contracts. Nice. I love that. There you go. 100%. We're all, Oh my gosh. From the that's game a quote. That's a, quote. That, that's a Charlie Lyon. Quote right there. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's a hashtag. That is a hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag basics. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, Charlie, you, you know, this firsthand and Stan, you know, this when, when we, you know, um, colleges or pro or pro clubs or scouts, um, you know, for uh, national teams, you know, come to you, you know, when, when they're talking to you, they're not looking to asking you what outstanding qualities does this goalkeeper have in regards to, you know, what brilliant top hand save or what amazing block shape save did they make? They're asking you, well, how clean are their feet? Can they play with both feet? Absolutely. You know, how, how do they handle crosses? You know, like, you know, can they, can they pick out the right, you know, right, you know, right point of attack, you know, those sorts of things. It's never an easy answer, no matter who, who calls. And uh, fortunately I've been blessed to talk to, you know, most of the schools in the country on the guys and girls side sending, mm-hmm. potentially sending or sending someone's. <laughs> it's never an easy. UPS, UPS is there. There you go. It's never an easy answer about a player unless that, unless that one, that one, two, three, and over a career, if you're at, if you're at it for a while, maybe you end up with 10 to 10 to 15 that are just elite, elite level. And, and you could call anybody in the country and go, hey, you know, this this is a guy for you. This is a girl for you. you know, Charlie was one of those guys where anybody would be happy to have Charlie Lyon on their team. And he would likely at some point be a number one anywhere in the country. Those players are rare. They're extremely, extremely rare. Um, you know, but you when they ask you about this or that player and, you know, if there's holes, you got to be honest and say, you know, they, they got to get some work in there. Yes, I agree with the Instagram highlight. I don't want, I need, like, as, as all of us as coaches, if we're looking at, if we're, forget it, whatever. If we're looking at a player and you're sending, and you're sending out a bunch of Instagram highlights into the upper, great, but I need to see some basics. I need to see, like, you know, I need to see some tra- some training footage. I need to see how their feet work. I need to see how they handle repetitive crosses. I need to see positioning. I need like you need to see these things. Like you can send me a, a highlight reel of like you know the best saves over ten years, <laughs> like but that doesn't. It, it, I I need to see more than that as, you know, a, as a, when I'm yeah. looking at players to understand and, and, who the player is. And by the way, you know, Saskia, you know, I think I don't think you're in trouble in any way whatsoever, because that that, that, that goes for every college coach that goes for every college coach. And I'm not coaching college right now, so I can just straight up say that is that every college coach, in my opinion, personally, is looking for someone that first off fits their system. Right. So, you know, Charlie, you know, in regards to your situation, when you were going on trials and stuff like that, they were bringing you in because they felt that you could fit their system and you were clean. They weren't, they weren't bringing you in because they saw you do something outstanding on a clip from some random game. Right. It's, right. it's, it's totally true. Like, and, and 
you know, yes, I do like what, like, like seeing that. I like seeing how they work in games with a system and like how they move and how they organize and stuff, but that's not what you get parents out there and stuff like that. That's not, that's or coaches. That's not what you're getting. You're just getting highlights. And it, I always come, I personally always come back and say, can somebody send me some training film or some, something somebody yeah. sent me something where they mess they mess up and how they react from it like something yeah. you know i yeah. can't yeah to see to see training to see the the volume of work that they're doing to see how they handle multiple reps and you know and and handle different situations is is important because it's you know and i i, I truly believe that um <laughs> that we can you know just about any goalkeeper can have uh a, you know a, one save at one point you know you can do one save once one amazing save once right so it's like how do you do um how do you do uh this the the basic things over and over and over again exactly because that stand, is is what you're going to be doing stand, just stand just share those three it. rules of goalkeeping <laughs> i think you well it's the internet i guess you don't have to bleep anything out uh, well, uh, let's just say, let's, well, we, well, we don't want the E. We don't want the E on the podcast. So uh, can, okay, uh, so yeah. manage the simple stuff, occasionally be brilliant, and don't... Screw up. Screw up. <laughs> <laughs> don't, and don't screw up. I mean, I, I, I absolutely love that. I think that's so succinct. Um, speaking yeah. of um, not screwing up, I think uh, one of the things that happens a lot of times at youth clubs, and Stan, I'm sure you can attest for this, is that like you were talking about, you know, it's great to move kids around and, and have, you know, goalkeepers be floaters and guests on other teams, but you need to make sure that they're level appropriate. You're not just throwing a goalkeeper because they need a goalkeeper in their session right now, or, Hey, we need a goalkeeper for our finishing drills right now. I don't know. What about that U9 kid? He's got gloves. Why don't we throw that kid into the 16s DA session? Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a massive mistake. You got to read the room. And if you can't read the room, then you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be in the room. Um, it just, uh, that's a, a massive deal for a goalkeeper because not, you know, we, we have different, we have the same, but we also have different injuries, you know, our concussions and shoulders mm -hmm. and dips over time and our back is going to go. And these type of things might be unique to us. But um, at the end of the day, you know, you, you, a, a 12 year old, even maybe at 15 happened into that session. It's just not going to manage the pace. Guy or girl is not going to manage the pace of what those players can deliver. And it can be, and it can be detriment. It can, it's just can have a negative effect on their training. Sure. Like to make up for not being able to handle the pace. Now they're, they're substituting bad form or bad positioning or not understanding. And then if you're just doing that over and over and over again, you're just reinforcing bad habits. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you see that second save that Charlie made where he came out, exited, held his ground, shaped it, uh, puts himself in the, the hay, the case, whatever we want to call it. Um, you know, he maybe does that different at the college level where his mind might be a little higher than where the level of play is for that player to bring that ball down, have mm -hmm. the ball in a tight space and get off a nice crack at the college level. That kid might not have that touch and Charlie exits differently. Absolutely. So that's where a, a, a youth player um, in, in putting them in with another group, it's, it's, there's a little bit of, you know, honestly, there's a little bit of magic to it in how you manage their, their, their uh, experience over time, you know, uh, putting them in with the older goalkeepers. Okay. You know, putting a, a, a younger goalkeeper in with an older team. Yeah. Maybe not. Okay. Yeah. 
and, and there's a big, big difference between that, you know, and, and obviously, Charlie, you know, you were, you were an exception to the rule because, you know, you were kind of at a higher level as, as a youth player and stuff. But once you got to the MLS, I'm sure you saw in the offseason when a lot of college kids would come in and train with the MLS teams and you would recognize, oh, you know what? I hope this kid realizes it in the next couple, ne- next couple sessions that maybe this is he's not at this level right now and maybe he should he should not come right now. Maybe he should be going with training with a PDL team or something. And I'm sure obviously the goalkeeper coaches probably had that conversation with them too. Yeah. I mean, there's, there are a couple that come to mind. Like, I mean, there's a few where you, you get to train with them and you go, okay, yeah, this kid's got a future for him. And then there, you know, I have a one in mind uh, and fortunately don't remember his name. So I can't throw anybody under, <laughs> under the bus here, but um, it's probably better. Just had, had no business being on the field at all. And it was yeah. just like, not even not even close and it's probably so omar was, you know, zini i'm guessing it was almost <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we love you omar i got your back he's gonna watch this episode and be like i can't miss another one i gotta <laughs> i gotta i gotta be there to defend myself but um i mean yeah i mean and sometimes you know to to the, to the point, you know, I think that that kid that came in, it was a favor, you know, a friend of a friend knew somebody, whatever, you know, you get in with the, the club, but if you're going to call in favors, you know, you better damn well be ready to take the opportunity that comes your way, because guess what? That door just closed because you weren't ready for it. You know, like you got to have something to show, you know, and, and uh, you know, so that that's for me, one of the keys is when you, when you have the opportunity, make sure that, you know, make sure that you're ready to, to seize it. I mean, I'll throw myself under the bus kind of um, in a kind of a way. Like when I went in to train with the men's national team right before um, right before our World Cup in 99, like I went in and Brad was there and Casey was there. And like I was there for goalkeeper training just to keep myself sharp for our bot for our like two weeks off and everything like that. And then Brad, that's when Brad was like, hey, jump in. The guys are just doing shooting, mm-hmm. you know, and look. <laughs> I'm number one, number two goalkeeper in the world. Fine. If that's what you want to call me. But like, I know that I was, it was, it was tough. It wasn't, you know, and it, it's not something I would want to do every day. (laughs) Um, And when I joke around when Landon ripped that shot that, and I made that save and I turned to Brad and he's like, Oh my God, great. I was like, I was diving out of the way and he hit me. (laughs) (laughs) I I I was trying to get the hell out of the way. But you know, I've got Ernie Stewart and them knocking the ball so hard, the goals moving goals at the end of shooting five uh, half a foot past the line because it's been hit in the post and moving the goal so hard. Not taking anything away from my training with obviously the best team in the world, but but you know, I even know that like 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 I I couldn't do that every day. Like mm-hmm. it's not like yeah, I got this. I'm training with the full team, the full men's national team every day. And look, if I the other women don't feel that way and. Listen, Aaron wants to say she can jump in with our men every day. Good, good luck. Have at it. But the goalkeepers were fine. We were goalkeeper training. That was, mm-hmm. it was different, but getting up and getting all those shots over and over and over again, you know, is still, you know, I still have therapy every once in a while for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we call it a union though. I mean, Kate Brad, how they feel about it is, uh, is different than maybe some of the other people feel about it. And that's, that's great that that experience was there with, with goalkeepers in a, in a union. Yeah, absolutely love those guys. I, I I do want to say this, you know. Oh, I think, and Jurgen um, was there too. Of course, of course. Or Jurgen was playing. I think he was just in camp. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I was oh, just going to say, th- 
I was going to say this though, you know, I think I want a lot of young goalkeepers to hear this out there is that if you are going to start, if you are going to go train up or you're going to go train with a different club that maybe is a higher level club than the club that you currently play for or anything like that, be honest why you're there and have an honest conversation with them why you're here. If you're there merely for training purposes and development standpoints, then be honest about that. If you're there because you want to be looked at to join the club, you have to be honest about that. And I want parents Stan, right, to hear this too? Parents because they need to be anything. honest. They really need to listen, parents. I mean, I've seen, you've seen parents yank kids. Yank, they'll get in a, a coach's face if their kid's not starting in goal. And 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 I've had parents when I was coaching club because they're let's say their their player was number two. Um, they're like, well, we're gonna, you know, we're looking at another club, you know. And I'm like, well, I can't stop you from looking at another club. I know the club you're looking at, and you have to ask yourself a question. Are you looking for your, your player to develop as a goalkeeper and um, build, build over time? Or are you looking for your kid to start for a club and not develop at all? Like in my opinion, like you have to at, look at the bigger picture as a parent, you know, if you're sitting here and Stan is your, is your club coach and your kid's number two, but he, they might go play for another club. That's not, maybe not as good. Doesn't have a goalkeeper trainer or whatever, but they're going to start they're going to play every Saturday or Sunday. Um, are they going to develop? Like, what's the bigger picture? Because nobody, nobody cares that you played for the Bulls when you were, you know, 13 years old. But they're damn well going to care that Stan coached you and he has the respect and what you got out of that. And by the time you're 17 years old, where you go from there. Yeah. You know, Joe, Joe and Janet, Charlie's parents, they, they this, this sounds bad when I say this they knew their role they they were not knocking on the door saying Charlie's this Charlie's that Charlie needs this they were facilitators in the process Charlie was the recruit Mm -hmm. and you know Saskia doesn't want to sign Julie and her mom Julie. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Julie. And I wanted to sign Charlie. And I knew that I had support from Joe and Janet. And that is a massive difference in many kids' situations day to day. And you're talking about the 1%. If Julie and mom or dad are a problem, then Saskia goes to Jennifer. It's that simple. And Julia goes somewhere else. And sorry, but that's, that's the level that you're talking about at at, at this time, at at, at this time, at this level. So, you know, move on to the next one. You don't need the headache. And there's no, and and a lot of times Julie will have a self-inflated view of herself because her parents are a problem and think that probably Julie is better than she is. Um, You know, so. Absolutely. Well, and for for all the young ones, listen. I mean, like, there's there's a lot of uh, college coaching experience here on on this this call and or in this podcast. And so, one one thing too is we we talk about yes, like you know, be be brilliant occasionally, do the the small things really well. But also, you know, we're talking about stuff off the field. We're talking about character. We're talking about how you handle yourself, how you handle adversity. You know, and that's what you know these two and as coaches want to see you know, and that will be what, what gets you through 
as well. You know, so what? You could have all the top saves, but if you're if you're not able to handle adversity or be coachable or you know, essentially own what you're doing, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna end up on on either of these these two teams. You know, like you're not gonna end up at at UCLA or or you're not gonna end up playing for Stan. You know, like you're not. It's it's a it's a total thing. You know, it's not just a top hand save. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I, and I think that's, I mean, that's a really good point. Now, obviously, you know, you know, obviously Suskia and, you know, Stan at the time, you know, you guys were coaching at such elite level schools that, you know, every, every kid in the, you know, you guys don't have an issue getting kids. I mean, you can, you can find kids that like, I mean, they, they're banging down the doors, you know, Yeah, but, but we got a lot of moms and dads and Stan knows that like there are kids out there. Yes. You have a lot of kids coming and it's not, that's not the issue, but there are, there are the inflated egos. There are the expecting to come in and I want to start right away and not understanding that that's just not going to happen. There's a word called red shirt and it usually happens. And like there, there's a bigger picture and it, they're out there more so than you think. But, but I think, but I think, you know, obviously Charlie, you know, the fact that your parents, you know, were, were a little bit more hands-off in, in that regard and they weren't trying to beat down the doors to, to make, to bulldoze you into a club or a college or whatever really helps you out because let's be honest, like mom mm-hmm. and dad's not getting you signed by LAFC. They mm-hmm. don't care. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was, I was very fortunate. They were, um, and still are incredibly supportive and you know, they, they made a ton of sacrifices and really made all of this possible for me. Um, but you know, they also did realize that this was going to be my journey, you know, that, yeah. that, that it was going to be me that accomplished the things. And so they were, they were supportive, but not, you know, and, and I'm sure they lived through it, but it wasn't about the success for them. It was about, you know, just giving me the opportunity to be there, but then I had to take, I had to take the rest of it. Right. Like they can only take it so far as a parent, it's up to the, you know, the kid to, to really, you know, they, they weren't never once was it, Charlie, how many touches did you get on the ball today? Charlie, like, how was, you know, did you train? It was just like, you know, they made sure the, the only, the only rules were I had to have above C's for grades and, you know, take care of my chores at home. Like that, that was, that was the extent <laughs> of how much they monitored my soccer career, you know, like, so, um, but they got me to everywhere I needed to be. And so, you know, for me, for that, I'm really grateful because then it becomes, how do I manage, you know, how, you know, I, I have a tough first game, tough first year and a half, you know, how do I manage relationship with Stan? I don't need to call mom to then talk to Stan to say like, you know, Hey, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I go right to Stan and we have a conversation man to man. And he goes, you know, that's not good enough. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Wasn't a good enough first game. So here we are, you know, let's, let's work at it. Let's work at it. Exactly. I want, I want a lot of parents out there to hear this though, as we're starting to wrap up here is when we're saying hands off, it doesn't mean be uninformed. Right. I still I still encourage parents to become educated, whether it's mm-hmm. educated on the position, educated on the recruiting process, educated on, you know, uh, goalkeeper training, um, educated just on youth sports, whatever it is, keep yourself informed, keep yourself educated, because that's only going to benefit your young goalkeeper, you know, right. but there's a difference between being educated, you know, and, and being a helicopter parent. Yeah. Or yeah. Well, to- or what? Or a yeah. lawnmower parent, where you just mow it all down in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To uh, to to that point, just re- real fast, that like you know, I when my mom was really supportive, but like to your point, like would always go and 
Um, you know, so say, you know, I was at a, a tryout and then someone goes, oh, well, have you considered ODP? We didn't know what ODP was like, we, you know, we, it, it wasn't, a, you know, and it, it's not a thing now as much, but, you know, we didn't know. So she researched, she goes, oh, this is a good opportunity, you know, this is a good opportunity for getting to, to college for national team. And then she goes, well, is this something you want to do? So she was informed. She was a vehicle. She helped me get to this place of being like, oh, here's this way of competing and getting on the map. Is this something you want to do? And I said, yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't know about ODP and then, you know, eventually you hear about it, but like, you know, so you're right, be informed, but again, it's up to them to take it across the threshold, you know, to, to, to make the most of the opportunity, the player. Right, that well, is. There's a, there's a fine line with all of this. And if, if we're going to use Charlie as an example here, Janet had the, the most peaceful voice and presence about her ever of anybody you sat with and talked with. It was, it was never a, of a, you know, what are you going to do for, for us? there was genuine asks about would there be an opportunity for this? Can you help my son achieve this? Mm. Not, you know, my son's this and, and you're going to, you know, and have that. It was never that. And those people are just, they're, they're found to Saski's point. They're, they're, they're found out just so, so quick. And um, when you're in a you know position of a decision-making position, you can smell that out and move on quickly. Yeah. 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 Well, well, as, as we wrap up here, guys, uh, I know it's obviously been, and, you know, thank you, honestly, anybody who's, who's been listening here on the live stream, really appreciate it. You know, we wanted a little bit of a break from, from, from reality. Uh, as, as we all know, it's, it's been a little bit of a, an interesting day here in the United States, as, as this past year has been an interesting day uh, in the United States, uh, well, interesting year. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to kind of show, you know, showcase some, some of the positivity and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Stan, you've been doing something, you know, showcasing kind of the good of people and people coming together for one, as opposed to dividing each other. And regardless of how you feel politically or, or, or socially or whatever, you know, you, 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 you put together this program that has nothing to do with, you know, whether you're red or blue or, 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 or your, your thoughts on, on this social issue or, or that social issue, but you, you saw a need uh, for people out there who, who've been struggling uh, because of the recent health situation, you know, with the pandemic. And, uh, and, and you put together a fantastic program with this Venmo challenge. And I just want you just, you know, just to talk a little bit about that and, and just kind of this, this experience for you. And uh, because I think it, it's going to be really uh, important for a lot of young, young goalkeepers and, 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 and parents out there to hear this, especially on a day like today. Well, I appreciate you asking about it, certainly. And as far as today as the words of, of Coach Ditka would say, this too shall pass, and mm-hmm. it'll pass. Um, the, the Venmo Challenge, you know, every city around the country, major or small city, uh, restaurants are hurting badly. Um, I've been in them, uh, as many of us have, but I've also then sat with them when they're closed. I've talked to them about a lot of topics that are related to what we're doing. And basically what we're doing is asking anybody, and that's not just people in Racine, anybody to contribute to our Venmo challenge. And that Venmo challenge is donate a quarter, donate a dollar, donate $10. We've ranged from $100 to $250 in contributions. And we've ranged from $100 in what we've done as a gift all the way up to $3,000, what we've done as a gift. And that's helping restaurants. And it's helping restaurants in the moment, in that month whatever it may be for them, help the, the payroll, help the tips for the staff, help stave off a bill here or there. And then we keep raising the target, raising the target. We're about $13,000 in. 
Um, we're shooting for fifteen thousand uh, dollars. It's small potatoes compared to Barstool, and, and I applaud them immensely what they're doing. Um, mm -hmm. But we're doing it on our level, and um, if people are inspired by it and do it on their own, great. If people are inspired by it and they want to contribute to us, fantastic. Um, you know, follow the social media. Uh, maybe later on you can put the Venmo and the Cash App on this uh, this show. Um, but we're we're just we're reaching out and helping people. We have one tomorrow at four thirty Central Time that will be given away, and uh, did a radio interview today about it. Um, it's just uh, we're just trying to help. It's as it's as simple and as basic as that. I mean, awesome. I, I I think that's absolutely phenomenal. You know, and absolutely, you know, I, I I'm I know Susky is in agreement that we will definitely share that that link absolutely. out with, with, with the audience on that. And, you know, and this is a good way, Charlie, because I know that uh, recently with, uh, with your retirement announcement, uh, you do not, you're taking a little bit of a break from social media. So instead of following Charlie Lyon on so social media, uh, we will ask you to instead, um, you know, uh, follow this link and uh, share this link with everybody out there. Um, but Charlie, if, if anybody out there, maybe there's a, a young goalkeeper, maybe going through uh, the same uh, situation as yourself or whatever, um, that's looking for a mentor or whatever, um, you know, uh, how would be the best way for them to, to connect you? Is it, would it be like through Stan or something like that? Yeah, Stan, or, I mean, I, I am trying to start to check Instagram and emerge from the, the rock that I was living <laughs> under uh, for the last couple of months as I, as I kind of made this decision. So um, Instagram, which I think is Charlie underscore lion. Um, I'll try to be around. And, uh, but if, if you have Stan's, um, Stan's number, obviously he can, he can get you in touch with me. Um, so th those, that's what I'd say. Well, 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 awesome, man. And obviously, as you guys know, you can follow Saskia Weber at Saskia underscore Weber on all social media platforms. Uh, contact at insidethe18media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion. Shout out to everybody who reached out to me about their youth keepers who are training with multiple teams. And we couldn't think of a better person to have on to, to discuss this topic than yourself, Charlie. Um, shout out to Stan Anderson uh, for, for filling in for the uh, world's greatest goalkeeper coach, Omar Zini, that you can follow at ProGK Academy underscore on social media. Uh, thanks that you can follow Stan Anderson at Camp Shutout. That's all one word uh, on all social media platforms. Or is it camp underscore shutout uh, various various platforms just dial it in just dial it in uh that's all the time on inside the 18 and we are out later guys yeah!